the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. We're with you here today. It's Dave Ellswick Show. I'm looking. I've got some sound that I'm trying to find that I used uh, from yesterday that I wanted to use today. And I'll tell you what. I got it here. I don't have the numbers uh, from yesterday, Russ. Let me look and see if I can find them on here. Let's see. There's that. Let's go. There's one coming up here. Where is it? Have this, and I don't don't have the numbers, so I'll just have to have to ask you as we go along here to try to find the stuff that we're going to look at or here today. Uh, the number one piece I want to play is the one that's the uh, uh, Beto talking. Uh, that's not the one either. This is not the right ones. I'm just looking for sound right now, folks. <laughs> Stay with me. I'm coming. Real world radio. Right? Yeah, it Live is right now. It's crazy that I don't have this right now. There's Mondays. Okay, that's what I need. All right. We're looking for Beto, which is at the end of this, this stuff there. Russ, as I look at this, this was him talking about gun control. It would be the last segment that we had for yesterday. What number? Five? Seven? That's about right. Yeah, that's right. Let's Here, just for Jan, I want to play this. She's going to love it. Beto's going to be... Beto or Beto or Beto or however he says his name. He's supposed to be here with the Democrat Party uh, speaking to them here in Arkansas. Is that this week? No, this week? Okay, he's coming. I hope he says something stupid like this. Here you go. Check it. Listen to this. Let's talk about some of the solutions uh, that you were talking about earlier. You were asked in May whether you supported a plan for federal gun licensing. You said it might go too far. I'm wondering what you think now after the El Paso and Dayton massacres, if you feel the same way or if maybe your mind is opening about that. That's a a proposal that Senator Booker and some of your other rivals uh, are out there talking about. We should do it. We, sh- we should have a, a, a national licensing program in this country. National licensing time, program. Something that's Number worth one, discuss- hold on. There's more coming. Keep going. I've listened to my fellow Americans, my fellow Texans, my fellow El Pasoans. This makes sense. It will save lives. And in conjunction with universal background checks, closing all loopholes, ending the sale of weapons of war into our communities like the one that was used in El Paso, and red flag Weapons laws that stop people who own a firearm before it's too late, before they hurt themselves or someone else. We can end this epidemic of gun violence that will claim more than 40,000 lives this year, happening every single day in almost every single community. So I think it's a proposal that makes sense and one that I would want to implement as president. Okay. 40,000? Well, 
he adds in suicides and everything. I don't think it even comes that high, even with suicides. But, but the bottom anyway, yeah. here's the key. The first thing that he said, for anybody here in this country that owns a farm should make ice form in your veins. A national gun registry. We already not have happening. a national gun registry. We already have one. I'm not even sure our government understands that, but we do have one. I, I found that out from ATF last year. Do you want well, me to explain? Yeah, it explain. Well, yeah. We may not have a national gun registry as far as people who are carrying concealed licenses, but we do have a national conceal, uh, national gun registry. If you buy a gun from a federal firearms license facility, okay, you have to go through the background check. Or if right. you have a CHCL, you don't have to. That FFL keeps your... Uh, information, your paperwork, your form 4473 in-house until that FFL decides to close shop. Yeah, and they no got to turn everything they over. They have to turn so. it in, and it gets sent to Virginia and entered into a national database. That is a gun registry. Okay, well, I would agree with that, but I think what Beto's talking about is you'll buy a gun, they register you into that immediately. No. That's what he's wanting no. to do. Right. He's right. Or if you have guns, then if you have a date to register them by this point, and if you don't register all the guns that you have by this predetermined date that they mm-hmm. give, then you will be in felon, illegal p- possession of a firearm because you did not register it. Illegal citizens. Let's, un- let's understand <laughs> everything that the Democrats we'll have are. been saying since El Paso and Dayton because – they have really ramped it up. I mean, we've all known from the word get-go. I know Jan has known that. R.D., you know it. Paul, you know it. Bottom line is, Democrats have been trying to figure out a way to get your guns. All right? Now what they want to do is put this into big-time action. We heard Biden say last week he wants to do an Australian buyback. Yeah. Does everybody remember how the Australians did their buyback? That wasn't no. you didn't you didn't do that because you wanted to sell your gun to the government. You were required to bring your gun in, turn it in, and they gave you some money for it. it. It's sort of like a um what do they call it when they take your land? It's a um eminent domain. Eminent domain, sort of yeah. like that, where they they'll they'll give you nominal value perhaps. They'll maybe maybe close to the value. But if you don't sell it to them, they'll kill you. Yeah. The only problem I don't like about having a slab at my house is that I don't have floorboards I could pull up and hide my guns under. <laughs> well, you know, they make concrete knives, jackhammers. I might have to do that. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, You know, we have said for years that the Democrats wanted to take our guns. Mm-hmm. Now they're really now proving we know. it. They're not even trying to hide yeah, it. Yeah, they're not hiding right. it anymore. I mean, they are saying we are coming for them. And the sad thing is, is whenever a lot of the Republicans are looking at what they're facing, they're getting ready to negotiate part of our freedoms away from us to be able to uh give away less freedom than what the Democrats want. So they're negotiating away our freedom to get rid of our freedom a little bit at a time right. as, as and give the government more power to take our guns. And the Second as, Amendment is not negotiable, no. number one. Number two, the fact that the Republicans are trying to be nice and, and, and cow down a little in some areas, it is empowering and emboldening the Democrats. What we ought to be doing is we should have already drawn the line of sand in the sand a long time ago. The Second Amendment is not negotiable, period. There's nothing to discuss. No compromise. It's a right. 
It is. It is. And it's not a privilege, not like a driver's license, people. <laughs> right. This is a right that you have under the Constitution of the United States. Period. I posted this yesterday. I said the Democrats, the Democrats do not mind discriminating against poor people. No, the descri- they don't. The Democrats, when they say what they're saying about gun control, they're saying that if you are poor, your life is of less monetary value. Your life is of less value to America than people who have money. You know how I can prove that? Because they are wanting, everything they want involves a system where you have to pay. You have to pay to take a class. You have to pay for a permission slip from the government. And poor people who can't afford to do that, the Democrats' attitude is, well, too bad, so sad. You just can't walk around and defend yourself. You have to walk around defenseless. Even here in Arkansas, people have said that you know some of the laws and the books were put in place for the purpose of keeping black people from, from owning firearms. This is one more way of doing that. It is. It's, it, you don't have to put on. You don't actually have to put on there. Well, black people can't have guns unless they pay this extra money. But the, the fact is, they used to do that. Yeah, Joe Biden even he even slipped the other day and said, "Oh yeah, yeah. you know, and, and white people instead yeah, the, of the, the um, yeah um, poor people are just as smart as white kids." Yes, yeah, something white to kid. that effect. Yeah, in other words, yeah, if you're white, you're not poor. That's the reason but, but the race the, card need to go away on both sides. All poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. There you go. <laughs> that was perfect. That We've was got fun. that. Just, you don't think I wouldn't have that, yeah, do you, Jen? Yeah, i got to have you that. You know, that's awesome. That's just every day it's a new but at the you know, day, five or six mess-ups. But, but, but you, see these, you see these Democrats saying, well, you don't need an AR-15 or this, that, or the other. You don't need more than 10 rounds in your gun. Well, what if someone's trying to lynch you? And there's 50 people coming after you to string you up and hang you. You know, this was a reality for black people in the South years ago. And guess what? The Democrats, from what I can tell, were pretty intent on disarming those people. And guess what? They did lynch those people. You know, most of the people that want to say how many bullets you need in your gun have never been hunting before. Mm-hmm. I don't They've care never about, owned a gun. I don't and, care about and, uh, I, I, I know the the reason the Second Amendment was to protect people from from their government. That's right. Is the re- reason that was put there. But here's something they also don't take into account when they talk about when I say they, I'm talking about the anti-gun radicals who don't who want us to all be carrying revolvers, if anything at all. Muzzleloader. Uh, yeah, there you go, muzzleloader. What they don't understand is many times in these mass shootings, the mass shooter has ballistic clothing on, bulletproof vests. I mean, we just saw that in El Paso. So you know, it makes it a little more difficult to neutralize a threat. To neutralize a threat, not kill people, because that's what you say, kill people. It's a little harder to neutralize a threat when they're wearing ballistic clothing. And remember in Aurora, Colorado, that shooter had on entire ballistic clothing. The only place on his whole body that was vulnerable was the little area here in his, he had even ballistic head covering on, was right here. So what a small area you had to shoot at in order to stop him. But see, at that theater, you couldn't shoot at him because nobody had a gun. Right. It's a well, gun-free zone. Yeah, because that's where all mass shootings that's happen, right. in gun-free zones. Absolutely. It, is it not true that that Walmart was gun-free because it was part of that mall, and the mall had the mall was gun-free? gun-free. That's know, what I said many, in an article How that many I read. people, I, I say the, 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 the lives, the blood of those people, victims, are, are on the hands of the government there, the Texas government, who disarms people who can't afford to pay for a license. I exercise my right not to frequent places that are gun-free zones. Well, also, people may not realize, we need to mention this every single show, because there are a lot of people that don't understand. Even if you're in a mall, for example, and that mall has a sign on the door that says firearms prohibited, it's not against the law for you to carry in that store if it's a privately owned business, like a mall or a Walmart or whatever. It's not against the law. It's against that company owner's 
policy. Policies are not laws. So if you got caught, the worst thing that could happen is the store owner or manager could ask you to leave. Now, if you refuse to leave, then, then they can trans- charge you with trans- criminal trespassing. trespassing. Yeah. yeah, but who, I mean, you know, if you got caught Well, they're saying somewhere. we don't want you here if you're carrying a firearm. We do not want you here is what they're saying. So I just oblige them. Well, I try not to shop in places that, <laughs> but see, the Walmart in Arkansas, every Walmart store I've been in, they always allow people to carry. Because oh, yeah. it wasn't because part of a that's mall. the rule yeah. of the state. And, and I I appreciate Walmart. I just want to say this for not changing their corporate policy because I was expecting as a result of this and then the situation that happened in Missouri that all of a sudden there would be this new corporate rule. All Walmart are gun-free zones, and, and they haven't done that yet. So let's cross our fingers that they continue to support liberty. All right. 19 minutes uh, after 2. we got to get a break in. I want to do that. And while we're doing that, let me remind you about Allstate uh, Insurance. Let's talk about uh, what we're hearing uh, from Dwayne Smith Insurance uh, Agency. They want you to come on in, bring your insurance, car insurance, home insurance, life in, fr- uh, in you know, all of it. Bring it with you. Sit down with uh, the people who work there or sit down with Dwayne. He's there as well. Talk to them and see what they can do for you to lower your cost and up your coverage. Uh, you call 501-819-0373, 501-819-0373, and then uh, they'll invite you to come by 3920 East Keel Avenue. That's your location there in Sherwood, and they'll sit down, and you guys will get to the rubber hitting the road and figure out how much money you're going to save with Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. All right, we're back here on the. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you get right into that in just a moment. Uh, okay. Corey Booker. Corey Booker. He is uh, was out speaking on uh, the campaign trail. He's uh, cut number four when we get to it, uh, uh, Russ. He's talking about red flag laws. Now he's going to admit something really, really important here, and then you'll hear him talk around. Okay, and if you listen to what he's talking, and Dean, I'm coming to you. I just want to play this before we talk because when you hear this, you, I may have, I may amp you up a little bit, buddy. I'm just telling you. Listen to what Booker says at the end of this. It's what he doesn't say that's bone chilling. Well, again, I have a comprehensive plan, perhaps the far, most far-reaching amongst Democratic candidates, and yeah, so-called red flag laws are a part of that, and I think we should do that as a nation. Um, but it's not going to be enough. Uh, to end the epidemic Listen, of mass shootings. It's not enough. And it's not going to be enough to uh, uh, really restore a sense of, uh, bring a sense of it's not calm enough. and security back to our so nation. what's uh, enough? So I, I will do whatever I can to leverage more change, to leverage the steps that we need that more will dramatically, change. that the evidence has shown, will dramatically lower the levels of shootings. So, again, this is going to be a chess match and, and uh, tactical sausage making in the Senate. But I'm going to say very clearly, Clearly, we need far more bolder action to make our nation safe. Red flag laws, yes, they're important, but they're nowhere Keep near listening. enough. This should be uh, enough to, stop to convince these, you. Uh, rising levels of mass shootings now having more sunrises and sunsets in our nation than we than less sunrises and sunsets than we've had mass shootings. Uh, we have to do more. American public should demand more. And frankly, things like background checks are overwhelmingly supported by gun owners. No, the fact that we're not. not doing that is a failure of leadership. No. Oh, man. Oh, man. If that doesn't scare you, nothing will. I mean, red flag. This is what they had said is what we needed. 
to get this all under control, right? Is, am I not wrong? Is that what they were all saying? And then all of a sudden, here's Cory Booker, red flag laws are important, but they're not enough to stop mass shootings. We need, we need, need more. We need communism. We need bold movements. Bold. Uh, will, Democrats go ahead. will never <laughs> be satisfied. And listen, I'm really angry at Lindsey Graham. And, I, and I'm going to be angry at any Republican who signs off on Lindsey's bill. Now, Dave, I, I kind of felt you easing up on him a little bit about that because you're like, all he wants to do with his red flag bill is provide grant money to states who want to institute red flag laws. Well, that's like giving a thumbs up to red flag law. Here are states. Here are states. We're going to give you some federal money if you will do. What happened you know, to Arkansas the last citizens. time the federal gave, government gave us money to help us with a program? We got Obamacare. Obama <laughs> Arkansas works right. We don't need any help from the federal government. We need to do our own thing, and they need to let the states keep it to the states. States' rights. All right, Dean. Dean's on the phone. Let's talk to Dean. He's in Virginia. How you doing, Dean? Hey, I'm doing good. How y'all doing today? I'm doing, doing fine. Great. How did you like Cory Booker? What he said? He just upped the ante, did he not? At all? No. It, it, it reminds me so much of the fascist way that the, the Germans would do it in the 1930s to establish gun control. Of which, let's remember, uh, the Second Amendment is uh, the whole purpose is to overthrow a tyrannical government by force, by the citizens. That's what Jefferson said. Chris Jefferson was was a slave owner, so we can just just completely do away with anything he said. Yeah, he is also in love with a a woman of color, too, and had children, so there's that. But, you know, it, it's time to, to, to establish what the purpose of it's for. It's not for hunting. It is for self-defense, not just for people who may come and accost us, but also against our government. Mm-hmm. Washington even spoke of it uh, many times, uh, our founding fathers. But what we see going on in Hong Kong right now, if we establish gun control, that's what we're going to have. Yep. Yeah, we'll be protesting with umbrellas. But we saw that in Venezuela as well. <laughs> Yep. Yes. And the socialism kills. And the founder of fascism, is a, the ideological founder, is a gentleman called Giovanni Gentile. And he described fascism in four words. Fascism is socialism perfected. There you go. Hey, and you know what? If we institute all the gun control laws that the Democrats want, and some of the Republicans are caving into, pretty soon we'll look like those protesters in Hong Kong. You see, you're watching exactly. them today, right? We, they have nothing. They're fighting back with nothing, just like the people of Venezuela were fighting back. Once they take all your guns, you have no way to keep a tyrannical government at bay. And that was the very reason our founders gave us the Second Amendment. had nothing to do with anything well, else but we need, that. We need to stop losing arguments. The fact is that so liberals or left-wing Democrats will come along and say, well, the Second Amendment was about your state national guards. That's a militia, talking about a militia. I'm sorry, people. This was written on the heels of the of private militias, private individuals going in and beating the most powerful army on the face of the earth at the time, which was the British government, from what I gather. At, at the time, they were very powerful. Yet we ran them off. And they came to they came to take our guns in Lexington and Concord. Yes, they did. And, and first so, thing that they wanted to do. And so that's to, what to, started to, the that's what started the battle. Yeah. For for the for Democrats. Thank you, Dan. I got to move on. For Go Democrats to suggest. That the Second Amendment is only in regards to to militias, or in other words, state military um, operations, state military groups, 
carrying guns. They're, they're wrong. That's just absurd. The fact is that th- this was right on the heels of um, private individuals, state or private militias running off and being armed and running off the most powerful army on the face of the earth. Who, who, who was the militia? Back when the Constitution and Bill of Rights, the citizens, the people. That's right. That's all you need to know about that. So, go ahead quickly. Anybody, anybody that believes that socialism is more friendly, they need to watch uh, Netflix. Melidia Horakova. Melidia Horakova. If you think socialism is more friendly than capitalism, all right, we got to get we got to get the news. Then one more thing. Can I just no? Don't have time. Okay. News is now. Let me just say that Jan can wrap up something she's telling people on Facebook fast. Hey, I said because I've been in the news business I said forever. 10 seconds, and she did it in seven. Good job. All right, don't forget about Applied Research Center of Arkansas. Their website, arcarkansas.com. Phone number, 501-954-7822. Uh, if your uh, kid gets up in the morning and they're not feeling good, you can go to their uh, full-service walk-in clinic and see a doctor They'll take good care of them for you. They're right there on Rodney Parham next to the uh, Burger King. Can't miss them. And don't forget to get a bunch of current studies still going on on low testosterone, ulcerative colitis, uh, diabetic glastioparesis, as well as endometriosis and about 14 other things. Uh, if you want to find out if you qualify to get into the, uh, the studies, just go to arcarkansas.com. Look at the qualifications for each study. If you can meet those and then get a hold of them and get in, you're going to make money doing the test, and all of the medications are free. That's Applied Research Center of Arkansas, ARCArkansas.com or 501-954-7822. Back to the phones, and Frank is in Pennsylvania. Hey, Frank, how are you? Great. How are you guys doing down there? Doing fantastic. I just want to let you guys know that uh, we're not all a bunch of liberal pansies up here in Yankee land. I know that. I grew up outside of Chicago, so I know there's still got to be still some good conservatives up there. Yeah, and uh, I'm a gun owner. I have a concealed carry permit. Good. And uh, I think I've got a really unique perspective when when people start talking about socialism in the United States. Um, My mom and dad grew up in Sicily um, under the rule of Mussolini. Wow. And um, they, I mean, they weren't allowed to do anything. I mean, they had to follow whatever the, whatever the government said. And my grandfather, um, on the way to market with his vegetables, used to put the uh, the, the ones that were going ready to go bad on top, and the uh, the you know the federal police would uh, stop them along the way, take off the top layer, <laughs> thinking they were getting away with something. You know, my grandfather would go to market with all the good stuff, uh, but you uh-huh. know. People don't understand uh, what socialism means. I mean, you, you basically lose everything in, in, that you have. It's, you, get, you start from zero, and you get zero. And, and these people just don't want to understand that. I've got a question. Do you see our country from what your parents went through and, and what's happening today? Do you see a parallel of what your, your parents ended up, the state they ended up in? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, because it just it starts with a little bit of turmoil, and then somebody walks in and says, "I can make it all better," and the mm-hmm. people don't realize what they're doing. They say, "Okay, great, let's make it better," and then by the time they're done, you know, they're they're worse off than they started. And well, we see this every time that socialism, you know, str- strikes its uh, its ugly head around. 
Well, Frank, I'll tell you, you're exactly right. I'll also jump off from that point just to say, you give up rights, you'll never get them back. At least without blood being shed. I'm just be honest with you. you get, you've given up your rights, you'll not get them back. And these That's pe- right. And these people find opportunities. You can't let a good crisis go to waste. And so that, so many times we see problems coming up that they need to be addressed. But you know, who? how does it qualify as smart for someone to say, Oh, these people got killed by some mass murderer. Let's disarm them so they can't defend themselves. Why is that sensible to anybody? It's only to, you know, an empty-headed liberal that it becomes sensible. The government is the answer to all problems. We give them enough authority and take everybody's rights away from them, then the world will be a perfect place. But I think, honestly... Most of the Democrats who support that, as well as the few people who call themselves Republicans who support disarming people, uh, it, it, they're not thinking about the the logic of it. What they're thinking about is just Emotions. bigger government is better government and emotion of the moment. And I, I just, you know, I have to say this, and I, no legislator should ever rush to the table in the immediate aftermath of a, a national tragedy and create legislation that's going to subvert the rights of the people. You know, that is the emotion of the moment is not the time to make more laws. It's the time to sit back and start looking at what what happened here. But when you it should be so difficult to pass laws that are in conflict with the constitutional rights of the people. That, that should just be. But it's easy for them. It's, it's easy for these. But people. it shouldn't be. And I agree. The, the problem is that they can do it on a, on a simple majority. In so many cases, it's just it's terrible that they can just simply take our rights away. And if we don't give and if we don't just roll over and give up our rights, they'll kill us. But here's why it's happening. You know, we elected Donald Trump on the promise that he was going to protect our Second Amendment. And then. People go back to their jobs and get back to work, and they think everything's okay, and they don't understand that President Trump can't do everything alone. And when he starts feeling the the, the Republicans underneath him caving, that foundation that he's supposed to be able to stand on top of and stand solid, when you've got Republicans in our Senate who are already caving on the Second Amendment, then, you know— and, and people aren't paying attention. They're not watching. They and, don't realize how many Republicans Trump's, are doing this. Trump's not an expert on the Second Amendment. He, well, Trump's a, not a, a, an he's uber a New York conservative politician. either. He's, he's a New York not, That's exactly he's, right. He's not a conservative. We've never tried to pretend that he was a conservative. No. And we've never tried to pretend that he's solid on 2A. But the NRA's job was hmm. they have his ear, and their job was to make sure that they kept him straight on that. And they have not because they're falling apart. Their own whole headquarters is disintegrating. Uh, but... But the bottom line is our Republican Party is supposed to be the party of the Second Amendment and the party about the rights and giving more money and putting more freedom back in the hands of the people, and we're failing. All right, let's go back to the phones. Marion is in Kansas. Marion, i got to tell you, you know, what, you know what my classic movie is for tonight down at Riverdale 10? The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> that's right. But we are in Kansas right now, so how are you? Uh, very hot and very... Hot under the collar also under these red flag laws. All right. Go. Okay. I am astounded. I knew Donald Trump wasn't a conservative. I agree with Jan on all of that. But for him to cave so fast, these red flag laws. I have a daughter who hates our guts. She's chomping at the bit. Will be some of the first to be turned in. 
my husband and I are both vets. We both served in Iraq. What what can we do? You for your daughter, and I've got a couple of kids that are uh, running towards the left as well. You, you know, it's difficult. I know, Marion. You just got to keep on, you know, uh, sharing with them in love the truth. Well, I can tell you one thing: you can do. You can get behind. A national organization that is a no compromise Second Amendment advocate, and that is Gun Owners of America. And you can also, Marion, join 2A Women. That is my national organization. We are the answer to Moms Demand Action. And get involved in legislation. We're always posting Second Amendment information. And even if you are extremely busy and can't do anything more than just share our post, that's a start. Because social media is a way that we are educating people, and it's certainly a way to reach, to reach millennials. And that's our biggest problem, Marion. You got any other children in uh, grade school, Marion, or in high school or in middle school? Um, actually, no. And our daughter's just doing this out of bitterness. That That's my thing, is these red flag laws are going to open up a can of worms oh, yeah. to, that will silence us because you'll be afraid to tick anybody off. Um, we're moving back to Texas, so, Jen, I will share post i will thank you get involved in the as soon as we get unbusy and get settled i will become one of your most active members and they call me because i may if you're going to be that active i may need to make you the state chair i'm looking for a state chair of two a women in kansas message me i'm moving to texas oh texas Um, i've already got rachel malone with the gun owners of america as my uh, texas chair but hey i'm looking forward to working with you so get in touch with me private message me and we'll get you lined up I will, because I fought and served this country. Thank you. We went through hell in Iraq, and I'm not going to lay down for this. Good. Well, you can't, that's for sure, and we're losing the World War II generation. I can just tell you, if my father was still alive today, he served with Patton in World War II. He was at the Battle of the Bulge. He was a tank commander. Here's what he'd be doing right now. He'd be cleaning out his M1. Because this is exactly what he fought against. You know, back in the old days, you and I are dinosaurs. I'm even more dinosaur than you are. are. That's really old. But back in the old days when I went off to college, my dad sent me with a little thirty-eight revolver, you know. And I didn't have to worry about a college campus that didn't allow me to carry. I didn't have to worry about losing my scholarship or getting in trouble with the law because I had a gun to protect myself. You just didn't hear about those issues back then. Now, kids have to go off to college. I trained a teenager this past uh, weekend. She's 18 years old. Mm -hmm. She's going off to college, and she is on a full scholarship, swimming scholarship. She is going to carry a gun. Her parents put her in my class this weekend, and they said, we want you armed. I don't care what the rules are at your college. But because of the rules... She has to be extremely uh, careful. She can't tell any of her friends. Nope. She can't post any pictures of her shooting her targets on social media. She can't let anyone know she has a gun, and she has to live in constant fear that she's going to get caught and lose her scholarship. And what, is the, what does the left talk about college campuses? Don't they often bring up, this is very da- a very dangerous place for, for young women because so many of them get raped at yeah, college. Yeah, assaulted. So, right. so, so what's because the Because it's deal? a gun-free zone. What, what is, what is <laughs> Run and push here? the button. Where the blue light's at, so a campus cop can get there yeah, ten minutes after later. it's happened, right? And uh, you know, help solve yeah, this, the crime that, instead of that's, prevent this the is crime. A, this is absurd to send these young girls off to college and, and tell them they can't defend themselves. That's insane. The, the thing is that you know, the, guns are one of those things that really, really help women, especially handguns, because 
it makes it possible for them to defend themselves against a man of 250 pounds. It's just a big club. It's an equalizer. Yeah, that's it what is I'm an saying. It's the equalizer. Yep. I, you know, I Absolutely. Tell you what, it doesn't matter how big he is or how many there are. With that gun, you have a chance. Without it, you do not. All right. You're you, go ahead, Marty. I was just going to say real quick, the reason we're tying this to socialism, if you look at the Cloward and Piven strategy all the way back to 1966, what the Democrats want to do is overload the welfare system yep. and – Take That's care. why they're upset with Trump today. The, the, yeah, they mm-hmm. want to. So it's all part of the bastard plan from 1966 to overload the welfare system and to have a uh, uh, national income where everybody gets the same amount of money. And we'll take the guns away from everybody and give everybody whatever we want them to have. Okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, more phone calls, 823 because I know we're all over the United States today, 501 823 Zero nine six five. You want to join in the conversation? National conversation right now. We're talking two A. We got a lot of other things to talk about besides two A, but it's important. Um, I'm going to come back play Cory Booker again. But last but not least, I'm going to tell you as a parent what you must do to help protect not only two A but one A and the Constitution's very soul. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll play Cory Booker again in just a moment. I think it's the most telling uh, piece of audio from the Democrats thus far about the Second Amendment. We'll get to that in a moment. Here's what I want to talk to the parents about. And here's the key. You got a, you got a man up, you got a cowgirl up, or whatever, and you all have got to start showing up at your school board meetings. Mm-hmm. You have got to start letting them know they're not calling the shots. You're calling the shots. They work for you. You don't work for them. And they do not have the right to circumvent what you have taught your children and try to teach them something completely different. One, about the history of this country. Two, about what the Constitution stands for. And number three, that the government is the panacea of everything. That is what they are being taught in your schools now. And it starts early. It can start as early as preschool. I do know for a fact that it's going on in the elementary schools because I've been talking to some people in the school board in Cabot. It's going full blast in the high school. But here's what's wrong with that. Let me just say this. This is what is so pathetic, that we have to go to the school board meetings, that we have to go to the state capitol to sit there and complain and try to get legislators or to get school board members or city council members to do what they promised to do when they ran for office. Now, sometimes they don't even plan. Uh, plan. What they do, Jan, is you, in local elections, it happens to worse there. And that is, well, I've known Billy Bob all my life, and he's a good friend, and I'm going to vote for him. What you don't know, mm-hmm. though, is Billy Bob don't believe in the Second Amendment like you think he does. Right. Or the First Amendment, yeah. or the Fourth Amendment, or the Fifth That's Amendment. That's correct. Right. And, 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 and you, take, you take children when they're four or five years old. You don't even have to tell them that you're teaching them socialism. You just immerse them in it and talk about it like it's normal and righteous and, and good. And, and guess what? By the time they're 18— They're brown shirts. They, they, you don't have to tell them they're socialists. They don't even know they're a socialist, but they're still a socialist. I have if you an idea. Look up, I'll say it after. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. If you look up, Tom Cotton also has been given the nod to some of these red flag laws and been saying that he'd support some form of a red flag law 
in the article that I read that Trent Garner has not got the memo that Trent Garner is saying that this is a way to the government to get their foot in their door of your house to take your guns away from me. So thank you. Yeah, I've been trying to get him on. He has been very, very busy Mm -hmm. and been running around. And I'm one of those people that still says if you're going to do it by phone, it's got to be a landline. Here's an idea. Because I, I this is just something you could think about if you're a parent of little kids and you know that your school is not educating kids on the Constitution. Parents are always looking for free babysitting. They're always looking for an hour or two of free time. Why don't you say, okay, after school in this little cafeteria area, one day a week, we're going to have Constitution time. And a few parent volunteers right after school from 4 o'clock until after parents get off at 5 o'clock, provide a snack for the kids, and then each week have a different little lesson, something fun, a fun way to teach them about a different right. Yeah, and, 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 and at an age-appropriate level. At an age-appropriate level. Give me liberty or give yeah. me death. It, if they're in the yeah. correct school, they'd be doing that during school hours. Well, yeah. I mean... My daughter does Liberty University. She's studying the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist papers right now. So uh, that should be in our schools. I used to teach American history all the way back to the beginning in our schools. But, but can we actually trust government to teach history? I mean, I, I, the, the fact is, at the end of the day, I, I think it's unreasonable to actually expect government to do what's best for us. Have you seen some of the textbooks that they caught? There was a commission that actually studied, looked at what our kids are being taught in schools and found a number of errors and very uh, opinionated to the left perspectives of the different wars and different people like our founding fathers and slavery and things that, that... you know, presenting it in a way that it, it makes our founders look well, and, bad. And you establish premises that, that are building a foundation to, to, to basically destroy their foundation of, of belief in God and just morality in general. All right. Let's talk to Eric. Eric is out in Paris, Arkansas. Hey, how y'all doing? We're doing good, Eric. How are you? Doing, doing good. I got the call in the other day, and I hung up the phone uh at the end of what I was saying, and <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I've got an old, an old phone that's uh, my cheek pushes buttons. No, right. take I, a I take a deep better, breath. Take a no, deep I, breath. You're amongst friends. <laughs> Go ahead. Was, uh, no, but I was kind of uh, wanting to mention. I, I kind of jokingly uh, posted on there that I want the same per- government protection that Jeffrey Epstein had. Um, for protection, um, not that I was real bummed out about his little accident or anything, but, you know, the government wants us to trust them for protection, and they can't even keep somebody on su- suicide watch alive, um, and they expect us to give up our, our Glock 19s and uh, depend on them for protection. Uh, I don't think they do a very good job, but uh, <laughs> these... Uh, Red flag laws, they're, they're trying to, you know, push down our throats. I, I mean, that's what I was talking about the other day. I'm trying to make a, you know, trying to make the best of a, a bad situation, and I don't know how that will work, but, you know, they're really, you know, if, if they're going to get this thing uh, done, if they're going to force it, you know, I think uh, we need to really be uh, screaming about due process, you know. Yeah. Um, 
which I, I don't really think there's a whole lot of difference in laws we already have. And, um, you know, what, if, if they, if they push those red flag laws, what, what they need to do is make sure that a person has really got a problem before they remove their, their weapons. And, um, I, I believe that's already in effect. So I don't know if maybe the red flag law would not just be a, in name only, uh, uh, thing. And, uh, you know, just taking a person's, uh, weapons away from them when they're, uh, they got a problem mental, um, taking their guns away is just going to make them a little more mad than they already were. I think they're going to create more problems than they had to begin with. All right, Eric, i got to let you go because I'm up against a break. Uh, while we're gone, I will try to uh, get a hold of our state senator, Trent Garner, and uh, we were talking about him just a few moments ago. See if he'll join us. He'll talk about how he's fighting against red flag laws. And, again, I'll play this this uh, piece of audio I got from Cory Booker, and it's a kind of quote that, as you listen to it, it chills you to the bone. We'll talk about it all after the news, which is next. All right, we understand State Senator Trent Garner is going to call us. He's trying to find a place to pull over so he can talk to us and have a, a decent cell phone uh, signal. Uh, signal for us. Which is us. a problem in Arkansas. You know, that's I would like for us to fix that. Because we are the most, I tell you folks, if you're listening from around America, Arkansas is one of the most beautiful states in America. We are the natural state. But on the flip side of that, most of the places you're driving in this state, you have no cell coverage. We only have 72% coverage. Yeah, so we need more cell towers. Number 50 yeah. Amongst the, the continental yeah, United States. Yeah, that's not good. We need to fix that. We need to fix that. got to be last in something. Nice hey, maybe we can yeah. take Lindsey Graham's money, if they pass this, that's meant for red flag laws, and use it for cell tower no. uh, building in the in the state so that if people have an emergency, they if, can if, call for if, help. If government builds cell towers, you can bet that cell coverage is liable to get worse. There'll be strings attached. But this it. is a safety issue. Mm-hmm. Seriously, having cell coverage is, an, is actually yep. a security issue because if you break down, and there are so many places I've been driving around this state and I've been all over this state, that if I were to have an accident or you know something, I there's no way I could reach anybody for help. And you go off the road in some of these places in Arkansas, it's like being... Uh, you, you're, Desolate. It's like they say, I've got OnStar. I don't care. If you got OnStar, if you read the small print, it says you must have cell coverage. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't have cell coverage. Well, you don't have our The sad thing is a lot of our police officers have areas that they get into that they can't call for backup. So it's a very big safety issue for our uh, our police officers. And uh, we have a state AWIN radio systems that some county uses that's very inefficient and uh, very dangerous. So uh, our police officers need better radios. Okay, let me look here. Trent Garner just hit me with a text. It looked like he had given me a time. Let's do this. I'll be home at 4.30. Okay. Good connect to Internet and can talk. That work? My answer? Yes. Yes, sir. And I just, well, I said yed. Yeah. <laughs> You're like me. My, finger My fingers hits are too big. Yeah, yeah, that's time. exactly what I said yed. Thank you very much. Hate it when that happens. All right, so. let me play Cory Booker again. Cory Booker came out and talked about red flag laws. Now, here's the, the good thing, I'll tell you. At least he was honest. Kind of. And if, secondly, if a politician can be he honest, should, so. what he said should scare you. Listen, just listen to what he, read, listen between the lines, so to speak, and listen to what he 
doesn't say. Well, again, I have a comprehensive plan, perhaps the far, most far-reaching amongst Democratic candidates, and yeah, so-called red flag laws are part of that, and I think we should do that as a nation. Um, but it's not going to be enough uh, to end the epidemic of mass shootings, and it's not going to be enough to uh, uh, really restore a sense of, uh, bring a sense of calm and security back to our nation. Uh, so I, I will do whatever I can to leverage more change, to leverage the step that we need that will dramatically, that the evidence has shown will dramatically lower the levels of shootings. So again, this is going to be a chess match and and, uh, tactical sausage making in the Senate, but I'm going to say very clearly, we need far more bolder action to make our nation safe. Red flag laws, yes, they're important, but they're nowhere near enough uh, to stop these uh, rising levels of mass shootings, now having more sunrises and sunsets in our nation than than less sunrises and sunsets and we've had mass shootings. Uh, we have to do more. American public should demand more. And frankly, things like background checks are overwhelmingly supported by gun owners. The fact that we're not doing that is a failure of leadership. All right. So not enough. He said not enough three times. Mm-hmm. Red flag laws are not enough. Now, if you've listened to the Democrats up to this point, red flag laws were the panacea for everything. Now, it's not, not enough. It's, it's not, not enough. enough. No, they, they want to. I'm hearing chatter on Facebook. They're, they're wanting to take away your AR-15. You're not. You shouldn't be allowed to have more than ten round magazines and stuff like that. You know, these, these people are anti Second Amendment. They, when hey. they say, when they say, "Well, I support the Second Amendment, but I support reasonable restrictions," I'm sorry, that's not reasonable restrictions. That's not supporting the Second Amendment. That is a straight up bald face violation. You hate the Second Amendment. Dave, will you still have me on your show if I'm an outlaw? Of course I would. Oh, good. You already <laughs> because, are. Because the day they... I'm an outlaw. <laughs> you are already an outlaw. <laughs> I'm a border right anarchist. One, but they, no, but the day they outlaw what they call assault weapons is the day that I will become an outlaw. Because I'm not giving them up. Any weapon can be an assault weapon. They don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. But, you know, here's the problem with Cory Booker and the Democrats. The, the, they, they, they phrase, they use carefully crafted language to make it sound like their argument is legit. When they say, well, we, want, we don't want guns in the hand of mentally ill people. Well, nobody does. But what we're saying is there is no such law that will fix that. And we do already have laws on the books to deal with mentally ill people. And that's, why, that's what Trent Garner will talk about. And the same thing about. with background checks. You know, they're talking about the background check. We want universal background checks. We already have background checks. The only thing they're doing they're is expanding it so you can't get – they are. You can't – what they're wanting when they say universal background checks – and see, a lot of gun owners, when they say, you know, 80% of gun owners support background checks, they're not being completely honest. It's kind of like lying by omission. What they mean is when they say to people, do you think background checks are a good idea? You may get 80 percent of gun owners who will agree to that. I won't. But a lot of them out there will. But but they don't they stop short of saying. But that means also that you are required to get a background check. In other words, in states like Arkansas, where you can give a a firearm, you can as a father, you can hand down a firearm to your son or your daughter. You have to go through an FFL. You have to go through a federal background check system just to hand over firearms to your own family members so, so for this, self-defense. So is this probably another crony capitalism sort of thing that would be, be built into the system where these local dealers are going to make 20 30 bucks every time Grandpa decides to give a gun to, to little Johnny? Or, uh, That's what they want. And so at the end of the day, look, these are infringements. If you say, well, we need common sense restrictions. Okay, you mean infringements. 
We already have over 30,000 gun control laws on the books in America. Over 30,000 gun control laws. And and none of that has stopped mass shootings. Because the gun is not the problem. When are they going to do something about government overreach? We've got a serious history of the government killing people in this country. We've got – just look at the Indians. When are we going to stand back and say, you know what? Government is dangerous. This is one of the reasons why we should not give up our right to keep and bear arms. This government has a history – other governments throughout the world have a history. We should not be so blind and so ignorant that we would just give them up and say, oh, we'll, we'll trust the government to protect us. By the way, happy 50 years, Dave Ellswick. Yeah, thank Dave you. Dave Ellswick has been on the air 50 years. We are celebrating this week his yeah. 50th anniversary. And that is just, that's unheard of in the media industry. Nobody hangs in there you start and, and, is, about 12. and is allowed to stay in there that long. But you know what? You were just saying, when are we going to do something? When are we going to? And I have to say this. We're, I'm sitting at, at a table with people who don't just complain on social media or on the radio. I have seen this guy at the state capitol every time I've ever been there. He's there <laughs> arguing with legislators, testifying in committees. Dave Ellswick puts it. He does his show from the capitol and he's calling down on legislators who are doing the wrong thing. He calls them out and says, what are you doing? So, I mean, talking about activism and R.D. too. I mean, everybody at this table, we're not just complainers. We do actively get involved. But. But more people are going to have to actively get involved until we get a handle on our out-of-control government. And I'm not just talking about our our state government in Arkansas. I'm talking about your government in your state. I'm talking about our federal government. All right. We've got a call from Rogers. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. fantastic. You. What you have for me? Hey, you know, I, I wanted to touch on a few things. Um, first of all, hi, Jan. How are you doing? It's been about a year since I've seen you. I think you were on the uh, campaign trail when i seen you up here in Rogers. Oh, good. Um, well, thank you. That means you came out to my event. Thanks for that. Appreciate yes, it. Yes, ma'am. Every chance I had. Uh, anyways, I want to touch on a few things. Um, you know, I, I tune in um, about every chance I get. And I can sit here and remember, I'm an 80s baby, late 80s, and I'm a Republican to heart. And I remember going to school uh, around hunting season, and I was able to carry my rifle with me to school. Mm-hmm. Um, buddies come, wanted to see your rifle, you showed them your rifle, and you put it back in your truck. You didn't bring it into school and shoot no one. And, you know, I started thinking about that, you know, with with today's society, it's not a well. We need more uh, laws on guns. It's not a uh, the, the government this, the government that. For one, the government needs to stay out of our business. Uh, you know, they're making they're making everything a lot worse for us. Two, we need more butt whoopings at home. That's where it starts at. It's not a matter of oh, the gun killed somebody or, or you know uh, the child was mental health issues. It ain't none of that BS. It's the fact that. It needs to start back at home. I remember if I did have the crap that kids nowadays do, my mama would have beat the fire out of me. And again, we go back to the government. You know, now the yeah, because you, if you if you beat your child like if you whoop your child like we got whooped, they'd be in jail. Well, I mean, just just like some oh, yeah. of the, some of the stuff t- today that kids are doing, perhaps you know, I think I might have been afraid of getting teeth knocked out. I mean, just because the, the I'm, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but the fact is that you know sometimes you got a kid who hits their parents or things like that. You know, if you don't get up off the ground because you just got knocked over, you probably haven't been punished enough. You don't hit your parents. I mean, that's that sort of thing. 
is going on and it's not taken seriously and and, and partly because parents are afraid of the government and this sort of stuff yep. is 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 not silly it's not funny and, and it should be taken seriously but guess what? Parents are afraid sometimes. You know what? They should be. Your country is in trouble when the people fear the government more than the government fearing the people. That's a problem. That is, that, 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 that is true. And, and, you know, I, I think we need to go back to where the government didn't have any. Like I said, I'm only 30 years old. But I remember where there was a time that Republicans were Republicans and and there was none of this uh, rhino BS going on. You know, uh, now, I mean, look, we've got a, a governor right now that says, um, what, what's that What's that gun deal that he's trying to look, open back up, that bill? Red uh, flag laws. Uh, yeah, the red flag law. Man, you need to stay out of our business. I mean, it's that obvious. Uh, go back to 15, 20 years ago. None of this stuff was happening because the government wasn't in our business they think that they you know that they're sitting here saying well we we need uh, more control no we don't need more control we need more butt whoopings we need more prayer we need more god in our schools and our government we don't need none of this you know red flag law we just don't need it all right there's no in it. Thank I'm, you, I'm Roger. with you, Thomas. Thank you very much for your call. We appreciate it. Don't forget that PI Roofing and Home Solutions wants you to know they'll take care of your roof for you. They've done it at my house uh, about eight years ago after we had a really bad hail storm in Cabot. Had them come out and look at it, and sure enough, it had beat the living tar out of my uh, roof. Uh, got with our, my insurance company is what PI Roofing did, and they worked it all out. I paid my deductible. They showed up. They took care of, of fixing it. Uh, new shingles, new felt, new wood, the whole nine yards. And now um, I'm going to have them come out next week uh, to walk my roof again to make sure everything's okay. And uh, on top of that, if you have a leak in your house, you need something fixed in the ceiling in between the walls or whatever, you found some black mold, you need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of it as quickly as you possibly can, PI Roofing, We'll do all that roofing uh, and all that work for you to take care of what may have happened in your home. And remember, you know, contractors like big jobs, not little jobs like patching up the ceiling in your bedroom. Uh, They do high-quality gutter cleaning, and they have high-quality gutters that look like crown molding molding for sale uh, now uh, with PI Roofing. Just go to their website. Just go to piroofing.com. You'll find all the information there. And you can get all your questions answered at once. Go to the best. Go to PI Roofing, piroofing.com. Back with you. All right. We are back from the break. Want to welcome you back here to the Dave Ellswick Show. Sorry, Jan. I didn't didn't give you a heads up on that one. I was sitting here talking to people on my Facebook and and, uh, answering questions to them. All right, it's uh, 24 minutes after 3. If you want to get involved in the show, you can give us a call. It's 501-823-0965. Let's see, we've heard from Kansas. We've heard from Pennsylvania. Uh, where else did we hear? There's another state that we heard from. Let me look at that there. Virginia. Uh, Virginia, yeah, we heard from Virginia. Now I want to hear from uh, Congressman... Uh, uh, Scalise, Steve Scalise, he was talking about gun control the other day, and uh, he had this to say about Nancy Pelosi. This is cut number three. 
President Trump says he wants meaningful background checks. Why aren't you supporting him on that? Well, first of all, I have supported him on that. And in fact, we got a bill to President Trump's desk last year, the Fix Nix bill, which truly does go after some of the real problems we saw where people were falling through the cracks and not getting into the background. But he wants system, something new like and so now. Like so many shootings, like Charleston, like others. Well, the president said he wants to make sure, especially that people with mental illnesses don't get guns. And in fact, there were a lot of people that we were finding that weren't getting put into the system. We need to keep working on that and make the background check system work better. We passed a very bipartisan bill to do just that, and Donald Trump signed in a law just last year. Let's focus on making that work better so a lot of these people that slip through the cracks don't, uh, don't slip through the cracks again or in future uh, attempts where they might try to do that. Does that mean that you do not expect Republicans to support or vote for new legislation on background checks? Well, first of all, let's see what bills are being brought forward. I know what Nancy Pelosi called for the Senate to come back and vote on was a bill that they passed through the House, or two bills, uh, that wouldn't have actually done anything to stop these shootings because the shooters in, in both in El Paso and in Dayton passed background checks. So her bill wouldn't apply to them, but her bill is very dangerous in a number of ways of how it stops law-abiding people from being able to transfer guns, including if you loan your gun to your neighbor because she's afraid that her ex-boyfriend's going to come and beat her up, you loaning your gun to her would put you in federal, in, not in, put you in prison for up to a year. That's what Pelosi's bill does. Wouldn't have stopped the shootings, but actually makes it harder for law-abiding citizens uh, to do things that are currently legal and, frankly, currently uh, helping improve safety. Do you think domestic terrorism should be a federal crime? I do. And in fact, I applaud what's being done both at the FBI and with our new acting Homeland Security Secretary. His first week in office, he put in place a task force to go look at a lot of the online uh, recruiting that's going on to radicalize people. We're seeing a very alarming increase in domestic terrorism. The FBI has been focused on that. Uh, last month alone, they saw uh, it was in the hundreds, the number of domestic terrorism cases that they're looking at. And so we need to make sure that the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security have the tools they need to go and root out whether it's white supremacists, whether it's radicals from the left that are committing some of these crimes. What we need to make sure that uh, they have the tools they need to root it out. What tools will Republicans vote to give law enforcement? What, what are you suggesting there? Well, first of all, if you look at what the FBI just set up recently and what the Homeland Security uh, Secretary just did recently to put a renewed focus on this, to put a new focus on what's going on online, the recruiting that we all know has been going on online, they're actually focusing on it. They do need more tools. They've asked for more resources. We have a budget process that's coming up when we return in September. Let's make sure that in the budget process, that is a very high priority because right now it's not a high enough priority. We need to make sure it is. There you go. All right. I got to tell you, I like Scalise. I mean, I yeah. like him a lot. Yeah. And he's taking a bullet. I love, I got a, 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 another piece of audio where he says, uh, we shouldn't blame Trump for the El Paso shootings. Just says, I don't blame Sanders yeah. for my shooting. Yeah, I've got, right. <laughs> that's true. I've got two questions for our listeners. How much evidence did the Hillary supporters have of Russian collusion when they went before a judge to, to start recording phone calls and going after all, all of Donald Trump's supporters? How much evidence did they have when they went before that judge? And number two, if they would have been going for toward the judge to take his guns away from him instead of try to uh, kill his uh, presidential, presidential campaign. campaign. My question is, would he have his guns back yet? 
so um and how much money was spent does our courts not have our courts not busy enough and think about the disaster of red flag law it's already the states that have passed it it has already been a disaster in a number of states and and people have died as a result of bad red flag laws people who were anytime you have something like that you you just open up it is an open door to abuse you have ex-wives calling in on their husbands saying their ex-husband is crazy and they go you know to get his guns confiscated in retaliation one of the one of the cases i read about was exactly a retaliation case and somebody died because police barged into his home in the hours of the morning and and he thought he was being invaded by crazy people and if and if we had a, a really good system that was reliable that would actually hold people accountable when they bring false charges against their their, their fellow man. You know, something like this might possibly be halfway sensible, even though we don't need it because we're, we already have a system in place to deal with people who are off their rocker. And because you can call in right now and say, "Hey, Paul Calvert's off his rocker," and you go check on him, he's liable to hurt himself or hurt somebody else. And they, if you're credible, they may actually come out and check me out. Mm-hmm. But I. I got to bring you to a stop okay. this moment. We'll come back. We got news. I looked up and time, like the hourglass, days of our lives. We'll be back after the news. Here we have Tom Cotton. We have our governor, which is really not a surprise to me. But Tom Cotton is a surprise, saying that we think more laws and and will will make everybody safer whenever they're not saying anything about putting god back in our schools and teaching principles in our schools and at least if you're going to teach cre teach evolution that you teach creation along with it and maybe teach these children you know there's a chance that you are better than an animal and that you're not derived from a monkey a chance there's a chance that you're special and you have a soul and that human life is precious all right, Jeff is in Missouri. Jeff, how are you? Welcome to the Power Back. Oh, he's in Maryland. Okay, hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm doing just fine. I enjoy your show. Been Thank watching you. it for quite a while. Jan, you're doing an outstanding job along with everybody there of making us aware of what's happening. I grew Thank up you. in Baltimore. Okay, mm, wow. and uh, I work in the medical field, and uh, you know awareness is important. And I'll I'll tell you a quick story. And the story was I was working in an emergency room at a hospital in Baltimore, and a good friend of mine who was the physician, ER physician, and I hunt a lot. So you know we're sitting in there, and all of a sudden this guy walks in, and right away we looked, and he's carrying uh, a very unusual uh, gun uh, case. It was a shotgun case. Well, anyway, the the outside guard unlocked the doors, let him in. He gave him some kind of story, and uh, he comes walking through. Well, first person that spotted it was the doctor, who was a hunter, and he says, uh, "Hey, buddy, what do you got in that uh, case?" He said, "A shotgun." And you came in here and they let you in? Yeah. He said, I didn't want it to get stolen out of my car. Yeah. <laughs> he walked into an ER with a, with a live shotgun, you know, and, and rounds were not in it, though. Police were called. This is uh, coming to the end of the story. And they come and they said, well, um, we really can't do anything to him. Now, here's a guy who comes into an ER. There's patients all around with a, with a shotgun and, and weapon uh uh, ammunition and the ordinances that Baltimore had only covered firearms, pistols. So a lot was learned from that day. Yeah, there you go. Hey, while we're here on the phone, you're a doctor, right? 
No, actually, I'm a medical professional. I'm a medical respiratory therapist. How do you feel about people in the medical profession, especially in the ER, where it's one of the most dangerous areas in the hospital? How do you feel about employees being able to carry uh, a, a small handgun or something for self-defense for the crazy people that come in there and, and go nuts when they don't get the drugs they want? Well, that is a problem, especially when gang members are brought into the ERs. Uh, that happened in Baltimore. I happened to be working a night shift, and we had a gun uh, battle in the ER. Uh, of course, we didn't have weapons, but uh, they were shooting and bullets flying in every direction, so it happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I can just tell you, I've trained a lot of nurses and a lot of doctors who are carrying on hospital property against the rules, but they're carrying because... They, they take an oath to protect human life, to save life, and that is part of saving life. Uh, it's a shame they have to hide it, you know, from everybody, uh, because if people knew that there were armed people in the ER, uh, besides just an armed security guard somewhere out front, I think you would see a lot less violence in our hospitals. All right. We've got to get a final break in for this hour. When we come back, I got a text message from my good friend Mark Ingram. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. I promised you all this text. Here's what it says. Dave, I heard your conversation about uh, red flag laws and background checks. It certainly is a hot topic. Unfortunately, those on the D side of the aisle tell us they care and yell we need to do something about the violence. Their approach is to rob the law abiding of their liberty. The R side of the aisle needs courage to resist the pressure to, quote, do something, unquote. We need to unleash and protect the First Amendment, proclaim the law of liberty uh, to broken people. We need to proclaim the gospel of Christ. That's all of us. The red flag applies to every human heart. Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The government needs to get out of the way of the church and uh, by stopping this assault on the truth. Best regards, Mark. And I go along with what Mark's saying there. Absolutely. You need to get to the real problem, the root of the problem. It's not the guns. That's the not last. the root. It's, it's our culture now that is the problem. It's our families now. It's the problem. The breakdown of the family is is the entire problem, and and people teaching kids the principles that their parents taught them, which were based on God's word. And it's also uh, parents that are scared to stand up in a school board meeting and say, "Stop what you're doing," yeah, and then getting out. Involved. And if they won't stop, getting out and running candidates that will put a stop to it. Well, you know, it's the father's it's the par- father's primary job to teach the children uh, right or wrong and teach spiritual the children leader. God's Word. He's the spiritual leader. And a lack of fathers, there's been a lot of mothers that have done a wonderful job in, in the absence of a father. But uh, it, it is hard. And society and the God's principles in society will solve the problems that we're having, and government will never pass enough laws to solve the problem. Government is not okay. a good substitute for fathers. Now I'm going to say something that's going to make a lot of women mad, but I'm not a feminist, never have been. The man, the husband, is the head of the home. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, 
when there are problems within the home, it's because the woman will not allow the husband to be the head of the home. You know, women are to respect your husbands. That's biblical. Uh, Husbands are to love their wives. Isn't it amazing how God God knew? You know, because he created us. He knew how we were as humans. He knew that women needed love and that men needed respect. And that's why he put those words in there. And it's amazing how if you follow those, things just work a whole lot better. But, man, ultimately, husbands, you are going to be accountable to God for how you run your Household. You know, I hear a lot of people go, well, what about Deborah, the judge, and, and whatnot, that mm-hmm. she was leader, a leader? And I said, yeah, go back and read your history, mm-hmm. because why? She, while the reason she was leading is because the men didn't step up and take the leadership role. She, 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 exactly right. she I was about to. That's what I was about to say. I was going to play She herself acknowledged the exactly. shame in it. You know what? My husband, yeah. it's it's a Important. joke around our household because when I tell him, I remind him all the time. I said, you know, you're the man. You're the head of the home. And he said, yeah, right. And you're the, he said, and you're the neck. You turn the head whichever <laughs> way you want it to go. He wears whichever pants. Head, yeah. Yeah, he wears whichever, whichever pants, pants you lay out for him. <laughs> no, <'cause it> is, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, a, a lot of times I, I think that women want the man to be, you know, it's deep down inside, we are innately made, I think. To want uh, the man to be the man. You know, I, I, I don't know very many women that I wouldn't respect a man that allowed me to run all over him. What is feminism trying to do? Toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah, feminism Attacking is demasculating it all men. the time. Attacking I want men to be men all the time. Want, want my well, man to be a man. And, and, and just don't want him to smell like. I don't that. want a guy that spends more time in front of the mirror than I do. You know, getting ready. That's just there's something wrong with that. Well, and yeah. part of the problem I think is that so many men are either one of these two they're either jerks just big um, pompous apes right. or they're soft little girly men mm-hmm. that that nobody really wants to be around anyway too much i mean and so that's in, in america it seems like that's what we have we either have these big pompous apes or we have these little soft girly men that uh, are, i think are, are are flocking to homosexuality and, and sometimes i'm Go sorry ahead. i didn't know you're right i agree with you paul but sometimes uh, the men get too focused on their jobs and their mm-hmm. careers, mm-hmm. and sometimes we work too much. And the men do sometimes. not take up the role. Do not take up the role as a spiritual leader of the house. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes the women do what they have to do as default of the husband not taking care of it. So I'll play in the advocate. I know I've been guilty of this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but whenever you realize that you have a weakness and you're not doing your job. You know, what you do is you make a resolution to sit down and, and correct it. And uh, so uh, that's what you do. I had a mother-in-law come to me at one time, and I was working on the railroad trying to build equity in life. And I was gone for a month or a month and a half. Then I'd come home for a week and go back out. And my mother-in-law cared enough about me, said, you're not uh, being the head of your house and your spiritual leader of your house, and, and, and you're not serving your family and serving God the way you should be doing. And uh, it was amazing to have someone that cared enough to tell me that. And after she did that, I, I made a correction, and I improved. I don't that's know if right. I improved the, enough, but I, but I was on Because I'm a guy you don't want to fight. When I say jump, you say, yeah, right. I'm the man of this house. Some man song for you, Paul. I just think I think that's cool, R.D., that, that you were able to take that kind of constructive criticism and actually improve your life with it, rather than just going off in a huff and say it's on your business. Well, he did. He probably did do that. But but I I appreciate the fact that you're willing to actually take constructive criticism and make your 
and, and take responsibility and, and recognize that you had some shortcomings there and, and, and do better. I okay. Think that's cool. We all do. We got to move from the bro romance here. <laughs> got to take a break. I need to sit between them again, I guess. I guess. Got to get a break okay. here. We got more coming your way. 501 823 0965. The president's uh, administration put a new law in effect about green card applicants that we'll talk about in the next hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, I went to that. All right, back with you. So the uh, Dave Ellswick show. Good to have you here. We're uh, we're sitting. Oh my God, <laughs> Senator Cotton. Hey, hey Senator. Senator, how are you? I'm good. good. To see you. That's why you moved over. That's why you moved over. I, I, I'm asking, uh, a, uh, where trigger. are you going? And I'm just talking about their bromance. Uh, it's a trick that your, uh, your producers played on you for yeah. your for your, uh, your 50th anniversary. Yeah, yes. you know, thank I, you very much. When my uh, my staff told me earlier that uh, we're coming by to celebrate it as a surprise to you. Uh, at first, I, I looked at the note and I thought it said 50th birthday. No, oh, no. I said, this must be a practical joke. <laughs> that, is, yeah, that's in my rearview mirror. I looked, at it, again, I looked at it again and it said 50th anniversary. So congratulations on 50 years well, of the thank radio. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of an achievement, I guess. I lived long enough to do when did you When was your first radio gig? 16 years old. And I was doing high school football for WJOB yeah. in Hammond, wow. Indiana. That's how I got it underway. Yeah. Really, the way I started was empty, not trash cans and... <laughs> and cleaning toilets but that's they said you know can you keep score stats and i said yeah so they started with that and then they started asking me to read them on the air and then they said you know you're not too bad at this so the rest <laughs> well, is congratulations history. that is great i mean that's you know it, it's a very rare story i mean it's not a totally unique story i think rush limbaugh probably started about that age yeah, he as well started really early but too, you yeah. know at a time the golden age of radio you know uh, guys like you when you were teenagers got your shot at local radio and mm-hmm. still carry on 50 years later. Yeah, and still doing it and liking it and enjoying it. Enjoy coming to work every day. And next year, I'm really excited because it'd be my 20th year in this market. That is unique. That is unique. To move into a market, and especially to be a northerner. And to come to the south and, and just become a damn Yankee, you know. That, so that's how many times have you been on the air with Dave before you? I don't know, a couple, couple dozen probably. Yeah, over yeah. the years. He's over been, the years. I remember having him on when he was running the first time. I yeah. remember. You may not remember this, but I was a media personality on the debate panel of your very first debate. I back, do. Yes, yeah. I asked you the tough questions about was the Second in, Amendment. Yeah, Texarkana. That, that was in Texarkana. Yes, it at Texarkana. was. Ted Cruz was on the stage with you. Yeah, I so I was there that. when you were just a babe. Probably February or March a of twenty twelve. He was just a baby, a babe. on the political front. Well, well you know, unfortunately, yeah, things have changed a lot since those days, mm-hmm. uh, as you can tell by the gray in my hair, which my son pointed out the other day. <laughs> so, <laughs> got on my shoulders for a piggyback ride and said, "Look at the white in your hair, Daddy." I was like, "That's my hair, son." But yeah, I recently met or. Saw a woman that I met in my first campaign. She said, "You know, Senator, back in 2014, I said you look like you're too young to be a senator." Yeah. And uh, she said to me the other day, "It's like, you know, you don't have that problem anymore." Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks. Yeah, I guess. There's some real, real uh, knowledge behind you. I mean, no, seriously. Do you want to just stay a senator, or do you want to become, you know? Head of the Department of Defense someday. No, Dave, come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're engaged okay. in Washington, idle Washington chatter. Now, I, I'm 
very blessed to be representing such a wonderful state and wonderful people. Well, I like you to be State's defense Senate. secretary. I think you'd be a great one. Well, we have a pretty good one now. I, you know, Mark. I've known Mark Esper for a long time, and uh, Mark served honorably. Uh, served in the first Gulf War. Served twenty years when you combine active and reserve service. So, we've got a good secretary of defense. We've got a good secretary of state. All right, lot, lots of talk about you on the internet. So I'm going to let you clear it all up. Tell us what you're thinking about red flag laws. Well, I think if we're going to if we're going to adopt a law like that, which I think our state legislature ought to consider, it ought to be for our state legislature to do. My understanding, based on conversations with Senator Graham and Senator McConnell, is that what Senator Graham would propose is the kind of funding and assistance laws that the Department of Justice already has in a lot of other areas, like drug trafficking, for for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beyond the scope and beyond the right authorities of federal law enforcement to try to solve every problem that we have in our communities. Um, But if our state legislature thinks that we should adopt a red flag law that allows due process after notice and a hearing and protects the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens, then I think that we ought to take a look at the Department of Justice providing the same kinds of technical assistance and funding that they do in so many other areas of law enforcement. Okay. Well, the governor's been pretty straight as far as the way that he rocks down the middle typically because he's really good at not pissing people off. But the, the bottom line is that he said if there's not due process, that he wants nothing to do with it. Yeah, there that. has to be due process, and, and there has to be you know penalties for any kind of abuse. You know, you can't just yeah. have an angry neighbor or an angry ex-husband or ex-wife making false accusations. Um, but you know, if you look at the fact pattern in, in Dayton, um, this young man apparently had a rape list and a kill list that his teachers <laughs> or principals discovered of classmates that he wanted to rape or kill. Right. On, that, that should have been a hint. Uh, by well, and by, by by some accounts, there was a young woman who went on a date with him, and on the very first date, he showed her a video on his phone of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. I, I assume that was the only date. Yeah, uh, she said but, it was. His, but <laughs> you know, when, and that's that's a common fact pattern in a lot of these shootings mm-hmm. is is young, alienated, angry, mentally disturbed young men. Um, mm-hmm. And rather than do what some of the Democrats want to do, which is immediately try to take away the guns of law-abiding citizens or harass you know, a corporate citizen like Walmart into not selling guns to law-abiding citizens anymore, we ought to look at those common fact patterns. And as the president said, if you're mentally disturbed and there's clear evidence of that and you can go to a judge and you can have notice and a hearing due process, then someone who's mentally disturbed like that ought not to have access to a firearm, at least until they can be seen by a mental health professional and be treated if necessary. Well, you know, there are Democrats that think you're mentally disturbed, and I'm mentally disturbed <laughs> because we're Republicans. But that, <laughs> so, that's why I say for any kind of false accusation, there should be serious penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can have that today. It's not common, but, you know, it's called swatting. You know, when people will call the mm-hmm. police department and falsely mm-hmm. report that someone has a gun and is about to kill their family or kill their neighbors, it's a very dangerous situation when you have a SWAT team show up to a situation like that, and it turns out that it's just someone – uh, with a grudge or an axe to grind or someone who wanted to cause a scene, there are severe penalties for that, just like there should be severe penalties for making false reports um, about anyone. All right. we got one minute. R.D., hurry. Well, I'm a member of the local crime watch in, in my community, and the sheriff shows up and says, right now, currently, if anybody is extreme – 
is showing any bad behavior or acting strange that currently they'll go investigate right now. So my only two comments is, you know, I don't think due process was followed whenever the Russian investigation was was started. I don't think due process was followed in that. And, and it's really scary to me to give the government the power to take somebody's guns away, you know, before they commit a crime. After we've seen, you know, like the IRS and the Tea Party, sometimes, you know, government offices can be politicized yeah yeah i understand that and i hear that a lot from people around arkansas and that's one reason why i say it's not just beyond the abilities of the federal government but it's really beyond the proper scope to do so as well as opposed to have the accountability we have through mayors for police through police chiefs and sheriffs who are elected and local judges who are elected as well i have the power (laughs) thank you very much senator happy anniversary i knew you had just a minute or two but i appreciate well i'm glad i was able to stop by very much happy anniversary good to see you again Good to be on with you. All right. Come don't be don't be a stranger. Won't be. All right. Thank you much. Let's take a break. It's the Dave Ellswick show. All right. We um that was very nice to Senator Cotton come by and it was unexpected. I did not know that he was coming in today. I knew. There's a lot of people that are coming Thursday. Now I do know that. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to to hearing from him and seeing him. My Tim Griffin already texted me and said I won't be there. I'm gonna be in another base and uh, but i'm going to call him he's going to be at fort bragg man you know you're a big shot when the lieutenant governor and the governor and the united states senator are texting you and showing up for your celebration that's, it's all that's about a, the cake it, oh, well there was no cake <laughs> today, well, there's no they, cake they, today. The senator thought there was going to be some cake today. i'll put Is it in a box and send it to him yes yeah. <laughs> okay. there's a, supposed to be yeah. a big sheet cake to, to have well you know right i think there. that we were just talking in the break about how i think that it comes from giving people respect when you do when they do come to the table, you know, uh, oh, yeah. interviewing them and giving them respect that respect is due for the office or whatever. But but being professional and, and, and cornering them on serious legislation, but doing well, it in a respectful and, manner. And, so. Tom, and Tom Cotton brought up some good points about the, the red flag issue. And he was talking about he needs he believes there needs to be some some um, some teeth in the in the fact that we hold people accountable when they make false accusations. And I think I think that would make it. A whole lot less bad. Well, and, I just, and so, and so still that, disagree with. That, I think that is the very serious right. problem, or maybe the most serious problem with this, is that we cannot trust government to actually hold people accountable. At least from looking at a past just, past track record um, of how they're handling um, issues like child welfare. Stuff. Let me jump in here and just say breaking news that the uh, the people who were supposed to be watching Jeffrey Epstein mm-hmm. on uh, whatever role he was located have been placed on administrative leave, hmm. and the warden has been sent to another prison. Mm-hmm. So hmm. there's some movement being made on some of this. You, okay. Here's what I think. And I'm normally, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, okay? But when I first heard this story come out, and then there's the other information that's come out, I'm sitting here thinking, you know what, this guy knew too much on too many people. I think he's still alive. He's in witness protection. <laughs> And, and, yeah, on some island in some, you know, house, and he has turned and given all the information he needs. And if, and if so he is, he, are we ever going to find that a out? witness no. protection program? Well, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You'll, you'll find out if he's in witness protection because he'll show up mm-hmm. at the trial to testify. Mm-hmm. And then he'll disappear Because it, the story is just so ridiculous that it, it I mean, it, it goes beyond not making sense how all of these things that are supposed to be in place to protect 
the the witness and to not let him kill himself or not let him escape jail. All of them just happened to, on that one evening, work out so that this could happen. The government was supposed to protect him and make sure that he was safe and ready to testify. And uh, how did that work out? It seems that they had taken him off of suicide watch, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that afternoon. After only six days. Yeah, after six days. So, you know, to me, it looks like a, a, a consistent pattern right. to me. So people, did you get that? Did you hear that? Basically, what we're saying is the same government that was that can't even protect a witness who is in custody is trying to convince you that they can protect you if you'll just give them your guns. That's right. That's absolutely. All right. So Business Insider, great story. Uh, here's the headline. The Trump administration planning to roll out a new rule rejecting green cards for immigrants on food stamps and other public aid. Now, let me remind you, this is not about illegal immigration. This is about legal immigration, and there's nothing wrong with I'm, with what the Trump administration is trying to do. Uh, I should have asked Senator Cotton because, you know, he's wanting to get away from this whole system of you come to this country because you have family members here instead mm-hmm. of on merit. Right. He's been wanting to get Definitely. to a merit, a whole merit Definitely. kind of situation. Well, that's what other countries do. Yeah. Well, the Trump administration, let me just give you the PowerPoints here. The Trump administration yesterday announced a new public charge rule expanding the government's ability to reject green cards for immigrants using or deemed likely to use public assistance. It's a long-expected policy shift likely to slow the amount of legal immigration to the United States it's set to take effect in mid-October. The new rule would allow the government to consider more factors before granting permanent residency or a temporary visa to an immigrant. Among the factors are the use of government benefits along with education and household educa- uh, income. But the new rule has, of course, drawn extensive criticism from immigration advocates. Okay, we're talking housing assistance food stamps, Medicaid, all right? I think if you can't take care of your own health, you can't feed yourself, and you can't house yourself, why do we want you in this country? Exactly. I mean, seriously. Canada, you're not, you can't can't move to Canada. You can't go into Canada unless you're just going as a visitor and then you're going to leave, unless you can explain to the government what your skills are and where you plan to work. You have a job waiting for you there. The, the article I read, if I understand it correctly, I read a couple of articles on it, is there's already a law in place yes. that if it you take more than 50% of your That's income correct. for assist, for, mm-hmm. for assistance, that you uh, cannot get renew your green card or right. get a green card unless you can prove that you're going to pay at least half of your way in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, that has been interpreted as cash as far as getting cash from the federal government but what donald trump is clarifying he's got a clarification is we're going to take in consideration all the things that dave just named which does come from taxpayers and is assistance so he's come up with a clarification that we're going to bring your health your your medicaid and in your food stamps and all and all of those things to come up with the 50 50 equation yeah. So the way I understand mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what it says. It says even though the rule has been proposed for October, 
The debate around it may already be having a chilling effect on immigrant communities. A study released by the Urban Institute in May, not a right-leaning institute, mm-hmm. uh, found that one in seven, or about 13%, of adults and immigrant families did not seek aid from a non-cash benefit program for fear of imperiling their chances at receiving a green card. Mm. I don't see that as bad. Am I the only one that doesn't see that uh, as bad? Uh, I mean, I, uh, Republicans should be jumping up and down and saying, hey, this is a good thing to get people off the welfare rolls. Well, you know what? It's a good thing for R.D. It's a good thing for Paul. It's a good thing for Jan. It's a good thing for Russ because we're not paying to take care of them. We shouldn't be paying to take care of them. And in many cases, it's good for them, too, because they're taking on personal responsibility. I mean, it's good for everybody, it sounds like. I mean, what's the loss? Well, you you know, if you climb the ladder of success and try to follow the American dream, it, it includes improving yourself, educating yourself, working hard, and trying to take responsibility of, of providing a better life for your family. And and I'm all for giving people a shot that comes over honestly and wants to assimilate and follow all the laws of the land and, and, and be successful. But we don't need to say no more than we do our American sentences. That's the reason I'm against Medicaid expansion and, and all other things like that is don't take people's incentive away from working hard and doing better. When you say, if you stay below this line, we will take care of you. Don't get above that line or we won't take care of you. It incentivizes people not to follow the American dream. Well, the city of Little Rock giving valid state-issued photo IDs to illegal aliens incentivizes criminal activity. Just saying. All right. I got something for you guys just before uh State Senator Garner will be with us when we come back. If you're watching from anywhere in the United States, you have to listen to what he has to say. It's really important. Hope you enjoy Tom Cotton stopping by, (laughs) the senator. I wasn't expecting him, so I think everybody could see the surprise on my Mm -hmm. face that he walked in. Here you got, I got a good one for you. You think you've heard it all, and then you haven't. Uh, Campus Reform went out and talked to students at George Washington University who are signing a petition calling for banning the iconic white stick figure in walk signals because they're oppressive. What, what do they make? What color do they want to they make? make I, I thought I you heard, can't make I it have black. no idea. I I'm just I'm just. I think telling they make you. overweight I, people feel bad about themselves. Uh, <laughs> is that what it they is? said? It's oppressive. I'm just <laughs> wow. saying. So they're trying to can't imply have a white fat. stick figure anymore. <laughs> or, or do they want to make it a white background with a black? Uh, I have no idea. Okay, these people need to get over themselves. No, there was another college get campus. I was listening to the radio on the way up here. Another college campus is banning hamburgers. On campus because oh, of the carbon right? print. They said yes, because of the carbon, carbon footprint. Yeah, yep. carbon. Mm, absolutely. No, no hamburgers. So. Well, stop by my house tonight. I'm grilling hamburgers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, that's not far from me. And, yeah. Veggie burgers are real, no, real meat. The real meat. I got the. I've got the. Uh, the ones that you get at Sam, and it's got some of them have cheese in them. Mm-hmm. Some of them have uh, Vidalia onions in them. So the best those. burger ever. So they frozen. You throw them on the grill. Deer yeah. meat hamburger. Yes. I I have venison in That's my That's good. Freezer. Do, you, do you have it Straight. super lean? Or they I, super lean. When, I, when I send a deer off to the processor, I say, do not add any fat. Don't add anything. I want my ground deer meat straight, like it is. That's the whole purpose. Wow, so super How do you get it to stick so, together to well, make a burger? It, when you're when you're grilling it, you you. Uh, 
uh, put foil on your grill until your patty has cooked enough that it's firm enough okay, to handle. Okay, I wondered how you did that. Just ask me. I can tell you how to cook. All All right. Right. I, I, I always have a little cattle fat put into oh, them, man. But see, that you takes know? the whole health benefit out of it. I could we care less if I eat a hamburger. <laughs> you think I'm a taste. healthful person? Yes, you are now. You've lost how many? You've lost as many pounds as you've been on the air here. 58. Yeah, there 58, you go. Uh, 58 pounds, uh-huh. hopefully more. You can splurge once a week, can't you, Dave? You yeah. just don't do it every day. I splurge a lot, man. I had <laughs> BLTs last night. Oh, they were good. Right. Don't take, don't take, don't tell. Plus, there's Pastor carbon Scott. footprint, Dave. Did you sleep good thinking you might have had a bad carbon footprint? good Every night. I sleep good every night. All right. Let's get to the news. State Senator Trent Garner next. All right. So uh, my, my thanks again to Senator Tom Cotton for stopping by unannounced uh, to uh, say hi and to, to wish me a, a happy 50th uh, anniversary celebration, my 50 years on radio. It's uh, really nice that he did that. And we talked with him there at, towards the end about red flag laws. And what I picked up from what he said is that I think it's a foregone conclusion that there were people who were going to get something through. And so he's saying if that's what the case is, then this is what it needs to have in it. And he mentioned uh, Senator Graham, who I brought up earlier in the show, and, that, and uh, of course, that uh, Jan was talking about as well, about making money available uh, to states that were thinking about getting into the red flag law kind of thing. Not that uh, he thinks that we should. Although he did kind of indicate he thought there were some good things in red flag laws. Did you guys, am I, am I doing yeah, I th- justice I think, I think here? you're being fair with that. And, 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 and to be fair, I, I, don't, I don't see it as 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 bad of a thing as in, in some do. regards if they can actually bring some teeth into the idea of holding people accountable when making false accusations when they make false accusations but right now i, I have no i have no confidence that they're able to do that or they're willing to do that because right now we have we have prosecutors that that have the discretion on choosing whether or not to prosecute people for that sort of thing from what i gather and i think the evidence is that they just don't prosecute for the for the most part but if we could make some something mandatory that if you ever catch someone making a false accusation, you know, you you beat them with fifty licks or something like that, or or, or, or something, you, you got put put them in prison, make it a felony, make it something serious. All right, well, more look, laws, more laws, more laws. And, the and, best government is the government that governs least. All right, we, so let, let's find out what State Senator Trent Garner has to say because he was quoted in the newspaper. Uh, seems to me just recently, Arkansas Times on August, you know, August the sixth. No, this was uh, he was also in the um, Dim Gas, okay. uh, being uh, being quoted to the governor saying that you know he's not sold on on red flag laws, especially on the due process side. And Garner has been the legislator who's been the most outspoken against uh, red flag laws. So let's bring him up. He's on the phone and. Uh, Senator, how you doing today? Great, Dave. Thanks for having me on. And I just want to thank you or congratulate you on your 50 great years of broadcasting history. Uh, you know, that's a great accomplishment. You've been on the air 15 years longer than I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> As I like to tell people, I was in radio before you were even a mad gleam in your daddy's eye. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, that's a good thing. But 
Yeah, so, I mean, uh, let's talk about the red flag. Yeah, now. go. I'm still very adamantly against them. Um, you know, I've looked at different kind of versions of them from different states, and I'm just fundamentally opposed to them. Um, and we can talk about the, the, the depriving you of your Second Amendment right, your Fourth Amendment right, coming in, the government taking your, your private property. But ultimately what I think gets me about red flag laws is this is the government coming into your house to, to take away your personal property, and this is the most critical and important part of the whole discussion with me, when you have not committed a crime and when you don't have probable cause that you have committed a crime. And that is a very slippery slope to go down and something I just fundamentally disagree with as a legal concept to help combat, uh, whether it's mass shootings, whether it's regular crimes, I think it's just the wrong path for us to go down. Now, explain to me and to the listeners, you were quoted in the Dem, uh, in the Demgas, that's our statewide paper, by the way, for folks that are watching this show all across the United States. What... Uh, you said that there's way of getting mentally ill people away from guns and, and out of the mainstream already. Can you go into that? Yeah, well, one of my favorite conservative uh, people that I kind of grew up on was Dr. Charles Kreithammer. And unfortunately, we lost him a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this article a few years ago where he talked about when he was a psychologist in the early 70s, they used to involuntarily commit people who had severe mental issues. He said... It's happened all the time that he himself would commit people directly from the hospital if they show signs. That's the course of action I think we need to go down. If somebody is a very much a real danger to themselves and others, why are we focusing on a tool, on a weapon, instead of focusing on the person? That's the, to me, this is the thing about red flag laws, if you want to break it down. Let's say we get the, the, we get the bad guy. We get the El Paso shooter. We get the, 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 you know, the Parkland shooters before they commit that crime and before they go out there and do the mass shooting. The red flag law worked as intended. We go to their house. We take their weapons away. We've caught the bad guy back in the, like, so imagine if you were a TV show, the, you know, James Bond comes in and gets the bad guy. What happens next, Dave? What happens next? Yeah. We don't he have a find some other That's weapon and kills people anyway. I, I, I think Senator Garner's just they, 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 right on. Hold on, right let me, on let me finish this point. Let me finish this point. Let me finish up. This is this is what happens. Our government releases him back in society. That's right. Thank you. We take away the guns Thank and we you. just push him back out there with no help. He's still the same problem. He's still the same issue. Why don't we? If they are to that level where they're about to commit a crime and they're up old, excuse me, when they're at the level where they have these severe issues. Why not give that person the help and, tr- and treatment they need so they can get away from that and not hurt people's society instead of coming in their house and taking away a tool instead of actually focusing on the real problem, which is the person. All right, Senator Garner, Jan Morgan's here. She's got a question for you. Hey, Senator, thanks for joining us. Uh, United States Senator Tom Cotton was just on with us, and the way he described the federal legislation they're looking at, it looks like they're going to provide federal financial incentive to states, that they're going (laughs) to toss it back to the states. And not just say states' rights, you guys do what you want to do, but also offer federal Dollars, if you will pass some form of extreme risk protection order or red flag law. With financial incentive coming our way, do you think that there are enough Republican legislators who would stand against red flag laws knowing there's money if they can pass something that resembles it? I haven't talked, have a deep discussion with other legislators about this. Um, I've been 
uh, talked to reporters about it, but only a few of my colleagues. And so it's been a mixed bag. Um, anytime you have that kind of federal incentive with money, it makes it more compelling. Uh, I respect Senator Cotton greatly. I respect uh, President Trump greatly. I respect all these good Republican leaders who feel like they need to do something. But this is an issue that I'm just on the opposite side with. Um, I, I, the federal money is great. We can use that in many different ways. We use that to help schools, arm t- uh, teachers and, and security guards so they can actually stop the threat. We can use it to go after the bad guys that, uh, who put posts on social media threaten people who, who have these signs. But I, I just fundamentally disagree with this idea of red flag laws and um, y'all are in little rock right now and you know the little rock issue right now we have the uh, no walk knock warrants it's a huge lawsuit yep. there's a big washington post story about it what i've been telling some of my colleagues who are from rural or or or, or poor areas or who are from minority areas is this is the new no knock warrant this is basically the government's ability to come to somebody's house when they haven't committed a crime and through the plain sight doctrine, which is a legal concept that if a cop goes in there to serve a warrant and he sees a contraband or something illegal, they're allowed to take that and use that against you. This is a backdoor way for us to allow people uh, into people's homes and violating their right to privacy and violating those kind of fundamental beliefs that we have as Americans. And I, I just disagree with the concept in, 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 uh, altogether. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to say never, never. There's never a version out there I could support, but. Everything I've seen across the board, I've disagreed with so far. Thank you. Hey, Senator Garner, this is Paul Calvert. Um, I really appreciate what you have to say about that. I think I think you're really right on track as far as dealing with the person more than just dealing with the um, taking their their tools away. Basically, don't don't if they really are a danger to themselves in society, they probably do need to be taken into custody and evaluated and and, and helped. As opposed to to just let's take some tools away from them, then they'll, then they'll just set someone's house on fire or or hurt people in other ways without guns, maybe, or they may get guns again anyway. So I, I think you're right on track, right on target with that issue, and I, and I think that's the the more appropriate approach rather than um, than just taking their guns away. All right, All right. Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, RD, right. RD's here as well. Let me let him get his question into you, Senator Garner. Do you think that there's a political uh, backing to, uh, to to build more state prisons. We haven't built any state prisons. We haven't made any more beds. Our county jails are full of state prisoners that don't have a place to go, so we're turning our county prisoners back out into that. So if you look at what we spend on education compared to our prison system, uh, can we get any help in this department to put people that we know are unsafe behind bars? Yeah, there was a push a few years ago to get a prison built down here in South Arkansas that had been pretty expansive. I think what we did is we ended up finding a compromise where some of our prisoners went to different areas. Uh, but, you know, I'm one of the people that I want to, if you commit a crime, I want to make sure that you get as, the punishment that you deserve and you serve the time to do it. I don't like outside external factors like there's not enough beds or, oh, well, this crime really isn't bad enough. We're going to put somebody else in front of it. I want somebody to serve the full punishment so that some of these people who are in that could potentially do mass shootings or some of them who are going to do their traditional crimes we think of go away for a longer time. It's more deterrent. They're off the street. And the other side of that, we have to rehabilitate these people. I'm all for if you serve your time, let's get you out. Let's get you a job. Let's get you the help you need and get you back as a member of society. Because if you think about it, 90 to 95% of all people in prison today will be out one day. And what kind of lifestyle do we want them to have? We want them to integrate back in the community 
to be do good things and, and ultimately serve the people or be able to be a productive member of society. So I, I'm all for increased funding. The problem is it's going to be a lot of money, and we have to see where we get that from. But when it comes to protecting Arkansas citizens, you know, government gets involved in a lot of things. Uh, I, you, know, you can make an argument about health care and all these different kind of things and whether we should be in the business of doing that. But when it comes to our number one government function, it's for the safety and security of the people that we represent here in the state of Arkansas. And ultimately, that comes to getting bad guys off the street and keeping them off the streets if they do bad things. All right. Thank you. State Senator Trent Garner, thank you, uh, Senator, for the, the time uh, on a short notice, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, appears to 50 more years, Dave. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> I hope I lived that long. <laughs> The left doesn't hope I live that long. All right, Michael's in Illinois. We'll be taking Michael when we come back, see what he has to say. We've got to get a break in first. To do that, let me talk to R.D. because I want to talk about Sonny's Auto Salvage. Number one, recyclable. If you can go green and save green, then go green. And I've been going green. Two engines, a transmission. Did you bring my rear I've got it right on my desk. I, I'm okay. coming Thursday okay. over here. They said yeah, you're having a little you, celebration Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to give you a piece Thursday, of cake, so, so uh, we'll make a switch. I'll, I'll bring you your gift for your 50th anniversary. is going to be a wiper for your wife. That's man. cool. We're going get to that, get that all taken care of. <laughs> Explain to my listener about uh, a total loss vehicle. It doesn't mean that everything inside of it is a total loss. It just means it can't be driven anymore, and the insurance company doesn't want to fix it up to be driven again that's exactly right a lot of times on a on even a late model car it's not financially feasible to spend the money to fix it so what sunny's auto salvage does is we buy late model wreck cars that had a lot of life left in them before the accident and they got totaled out so we get parts that still have half or more of their life left in them so when we sell you a part you can know that it was running at the time of the accident you can know that we've tested it out and and that it's not worn out, and you can know that we can give you a one, two, or three-year warranty on that part so you can make sure that you're making a good investment for your family and that you're going to get the service out of it that you deserve. All right, so what's the number they need to call to talk to you? Call us at 1-800-482-9985, or here in Little Rock, you can call us at 982 or just Google Sonny's Auto Salvage. You'll find us. There you go. We'll be back with more. We're going to talk to Michael. He's in Illinois when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Jen. You were saying that they want to have red flags in the school system? Well, what they're trying to do, when Moms Demand Action and Every Time for Gun Safety, those radical anti-gun organizations. Bloomberg. Yeah, right. When they could not successfully get red flag law through our legislature here in Arkansas, right. this is this is a tactic they're using around the country, Rather, because our legislature said, no, we're not doing red flags. So then they turned around and tried to bring it in through the back door, through the school commission, the school safety commission, so that they could go in to your home and confiscate your guns because of something stupid your kid said at school. So if some other kid complains about your kid being mean and offensive and possibly violent, then they can come in and confiscate your guns until they can prove that your kid's not crazy and that you're not going to be able to get them your guns. So, yeah. All right. Let's go to Illinois. Okay, Michael, I got the big question for you first. Are you ready? You got it. Sox fan, card fan, or Cub fan? Oh, I'm a Cubby. Okay, (laughs) you you are on my show. Go. (laughs) 
You know, I I just want to know, is, is the senator that I'm talking to over there? No, you the, the senator has left the building. The senator left the building, okay. Well, I just want to know when this country became so light-footed. Um, it's heavy on everything else except for capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that changed. Okay. Yeah, now, wait a second. That changed yesterday, A.G., for the United States Bar reinstituted the death penalty nationally. Did, well, you know, did you know that? That's fine, but everybody, everybody is still going, you know, oh, you kill people, let's just keep your life in prison. No, I don't, so I don't disagree with that. Pay for this. Now, on the other point, you were talking about um, people who are getting red flagged. But how do you know the people are unbalanced? They can look completely normal to everybody else. So how can you tell? That's the only problem with that. You know? No, there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah, there's, there's a, there are a right. lot of problems. But, I agree. Right. You know, because without somebody saying, hey, listen, I heard somebody say something about this guy, nothing gets done. So you have the kid that, that kills in the schools, or you have the pe- person that shoots up a Walmart or a Costco or, you know, whatever. Okay. So you support red flag laws? To a point. So you you, point. you believe that the Second Amendment is a government-issued privilege, that it's okay to regulate and restrict it? To a point. We don't need... No no household in this United States needs a semi-automatic rifle or... or uh, um, need, need, is, need is irrelevant. Need is irrelevant. <laughs> the, the fact is, it is illegal for the government to, to, to infringe upon our rights, so need is irrelevant. And, and the fact is that, no, if we don't have the, the right to keep and bear arms, how are we going to defend ourselves when, when somebody, government, or maybe just a mob of people tried to try to hurt us or kill us? Or what, what about, you know, black people in the South used to get lynched? How are those people supposed to support themselves after they've been disarmed? Okay, so what, can I just say something real quick? I have an arsenal of semi-automatics in my home, and I don't need them because the last time I checked, it was not the Bill of Needs. It was the Bill of Rights, and that's what's wrong with you guys in Illinois is that you've somehow learned through the process, through this educational system, that it's the the Bill of Government-Issue Privileges. Rights are inalienable. You're born with them. You, they can't be oh. regulated or restricted. No I, no, I understand that. But, I mean, you can have a rifle. But do you really need a semi-automatic? Yes, yes I have a semi-automatic hunting rifle. I've got mm-hmm. a three hundred eight sharp uh, mm-hmm. hunting rifle. I mean, it uh, has a clip to it. It's I go out deep. I have a, yeah, I have a Remington twelve gauge. Okay, know? sure. So you yeah. can you can wreck, wreck havoc over our over everybody. Hey, Michael, I wish you'd called earlier. We would have kept you around and talked call longer. Next but week. yeah, call next week at Saint Tuesday. You know, before. Okay, I appreciate you calling in and. Brother, I do love you because you're a Cub fan, but I can't abide that you're not a, a Second Amendment. Uh, and so he, he's got a Remington shotgun. And, uh, I assume it might be an, an 870. Well, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty deadly weapon. You know, compared to an 870, AR, favorite com- weapon in Vietnam. Compared to an AR-15, you get a, a long tube magazine on that thing. You know, that's probably quite a bit more deadly than a semi-automatic a- AR-15. It's right. just that people don't understand what the whole Second Amendment quickly, is all about. Quickly, Chris, you got 30 seconds. Go. Well, I, I'm just calling about that 
uh, re- rebuttal for that last call you had in there. Okay. <laughs> who has the right to tell me that I cannot have a weapon? Well, so Michael, of course. Period. <laughs> and and that, that's, what's, that's what's getting me aggravated about this is that everybody thinks that they can regulate that safety and the people's choice to not use something as a weapon. It doesn't matter what it is, semi-automatic or a club. Somebody's going to, if they want to hurt somebody, they're going to use it, whether it's regulated, got a law against it or not. But don't infringe on my rights and take my rights away so you can have your self-conscience or make you feel better. Spoke forcefully and truthfully. You get the final word here today until the Bible guys come on. Uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. R.G., thanks for coming I today. It, Always Dave. a pleasure. Hey, for you, too. Thank you very much, Paul. Yes, sir. My thank Old you. Testament prophet. Happy 50th. And Jan, thank you very much. You're going to come back Thursday have a piece of cake? You know, if I can get away from the gun range. All right, please do so. And for everybody on uh, Jan's uh, Facebook page, thanks for joining us today as well. We'll be back with you again next Tuesday right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up, the Bible Guys. All right. Last hour of a Tuesday, that means the Bible guys are here. Well, we've got a Bible guy here right now. <laughs> we have, uh, of course, uh, Scott is here, the pastor over at Agape. He's the reason we started this show, because he used to come on my show, and then it just kind of blossomed. Mm-hmm. And Steve Hess will be here shortly. Billy can't meet, make it today. He had a family uh, thing come up, and it was it's a good thing, but uh, he won't be able to make it today. But uh be nice to see him again next week. So we got a lot of a lot of questions for you. We'll start, you want to start off? Well, I'd like to say something if I could first. Yeah, go ahead. Well, um, obviously Steve isn't here and Billy isn't here yet, but the Bible guys wanted to say happy 50th anniversary to you. Oh, well, Dave. thank you. We I appreciate you, that. We actually got you a card. Oh, my. And, thank you. Uh, if you open that card up, we, have, we put a little something special in there for you. Okay. We'll open, I'll open that up. This is cool. All right, it says 50 wonderful years. Happy uh, golden anniversary. And, uh, ooh, a gift card. A gift that's, card. That's good for my first uh, class. It's, it's That's 50. There's an activation card there for you. So that's, 50, okay. that's $1 for every year. Well, thank you very much, guys. I really, really appreciate this. I uh, Next Sunday, I'm going to Memphis this weekend. And uh, Linda and I... Last weekend was our 28th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. So we went out to dinner, but I'm going to take Friday off. We're going to drive over to Memphis, go to the zoo in the morning mm-hmm. and do some stuff and then stay overnight. And then we're going to get up and go to Stax Record Museum. Oh, nice. And that evening, I've got uh, tickets behind the Cubs uh, <laughs> dugout, uh, Iowa Cubs, the AAA arm team for the Chicago Cubs, and I'm going to go see them play. Wow. Then we're leaving after the game and driving back uh-huh. to be at church in the morning. Right. And that afternoon, uh, I got to be there to uh, sign people up for my life group. Oh, right. Which is going to be a teaching. That Hebrew. I yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm getting into that. Well, congratulations, Dave. I'm sorry I won't be able to be here uh, later on in the week, but I'm. Uh, well, you're I'm, expecting to be a granddad again. That's right. I'm having now, a baby. Wait a second. Are you granddad or what? I am Saba. Saba, okay. Yeah. Saba means uh, grandfather in Hebrew. In Hebrew, yeah. all right. They call my wife, they call her Nona, because uh, my wife is uh, I think from, I've asked you this Italian. before. Yeah, so Nona is grandmother in uh, in Italian. Okay. Now, if you pull that out, I think that's actually a, 
I, I hope it's a necklace. I'd love to see you wear that 50, kind of like you got a gold. Oh, man. I'm, you know, you, if I do this. It, it comes out of the center of yeah, the, the top center. part there. Right here. Okay. Yeah. I don't know yeah, how long it is. This but is cool. If I can wear it, I will. That would be like you being gangster or something. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. That makes me ga- gangster radio. I like that. Here we go. Here we can get see how here. long it is. If it doesn't work there, we could put it around, uh, yeah. hang it on something else. Is it stuck in there? Yeah, it's hooked up in here. Just tear the card apart. There you go. Uh huh. It's got a tape. That's one. Oh, okay. Oh, it's kind of a stretchy uh, thing, isn't it? You get to watch this on. Then you can watch me doing this. Yes, it is. It's it's stretchy, so it does fit me. All there right. Let's take a look I can at this. Put this on. Get it on. You like this? God, I'm, 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 Check it out, Russ. He's going to be gangster for us. Got his. I promise you, I won't sag my pants. Okay. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Let's take a look at this. Will it go? Will it work? Oh, look at him. Yeah, when in doubt, just force it. All right. He's got his. He's got his 50 uh, anniversary uh, necklace on. Nifty 50. <laughs> Choking me. Okay. I'll un- maybe I'll- it's maybe it's too. Uh, too we could only get so fortunate. <laughs> that's what all the lefties say to me. All right. I'm gonna. If that's I'm, too tight, you can I'm take it off. I'm hoping to be Dave. on for another fifty years. If you're on the oh, left, wow. oh my god, you got to be going. Oh no, he's not that. So anyway. you, you need to activate that card with that. Okay. Uh, with that number. So I have uh, it. yep. It's that there. Way. So. That's uh, that's that's on us. So you guys have a good uh, a good time. And okay. Happy anniversary again, Dave. Thank you very much. I I intend to have a good anniversary with this. I've already been having a good one. Thursday's the big kickoff because there's a big sheet cake that evidently they're bringing in, and oh, right. there's a lot of people stopping by. So it's oh, going to be fun. Don't miss it. It'll be fun just to see who shows up. And you've had people stop by today. You said you had Cotton here earlier. Yeah, Senator Cotton dropped by today. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I was the, the lieutenant governor. Said he'll call me Thursday, but he's going to be at Fort Bragg. Oh, right. So he'll call us uh, from Fort Bragg to say hi and uh, wish me well on a, on 50 years. Oh, super. You know, super. Because we, we know, we've known each other almost 20 years now. Oh, really? When he was down in Florida counting chads is when we got oh, to gosh. know each other. Oh, wow. So it was, it was cool to do that. Man. So Excellent. Been Excellent. going at it for a while. Great. All right. So let's start off. Somebody asked last week and i said we would come back since we didn't get this is to um let me bring up the question uh and, and that was about the 10 tribes of israel yeah yeah where are they yeah the question was something to the effect uh, you read it to me right before we went on the air it uh it asked the question um it said uh he asked for an opinion about where the 10 lost uh tribes of israel are at yes and um and so there's several several schools of thought about this, but if you recall, uh, what happened, there were 12 tribes, and um, after Solomon died, his son becomes king, and the kingdom splits at that point. Ten tribes uh, are taken to the no- north by Jeroboam and uh, Rehoboam, which is um, Solomon's son. He stays in the south with the, uh, the southern two tribes in an area called Judah. Some people would say three tribes because Levi stays uh, stays down there, and um, and uh, what happened is about 722 BC, the Assyrians come in and take the ten northern tribes away, and they uh, they never return. Uh, however, um, always there's always a few people of each tribe that kind of made their way down to the south, 
Um, we know from um, the New Testament, uh, Anna, the lady, the prophetess who was in the um, the temple, uh, the Bible actually tells us that she was from the tribe of Asher. So there were a few tribes that actually trickled down, but uh, that doesn't really fulfill the scripture about the tribes being brought back because it talks about them coming back in mass. Uh, Josephus, the first century historian, talks about them, and he talks about the tribes that are actually, and he names a part, it's further off by the I think it was more towards beyond uh, the Assyrian area, towards maybe uh, the southern part of um, uh, Eastern Europe. And uh, look what we have here. Holy cow. <laughs> Senator, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy 50th. Appreciate this. Thank you so much. Well, it's just great to be with you today. And uh, I, I got to tell, let me just tell, let me tell everybody something. Before we you, appreciate your friendship. Let me, let me just say this. This is Senator John Bozeman, and, and let, me, let me just say, he, he's my senator, but I consider him a personal friend. And thank you for coming by. Seriously. Well, likewise, and uh, I've got your little made-up card here. Oh, no. Talking about. So, again, it's not store-bought, but uh, we do appreciate you very, very much. It's and, from uh, the senator. Very I don't know nice. about you hanging around for another 50 years. The, uh, I would like to do that. That'd I'll be put fun. some money on several more years, but, <laughs> but I don't know about 50. But I'd like to do 50. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to be around for another 50 years just so we can cause so much heartache for the left? <laughs> well, I don't know about 50. Like I said, you don't know about you're 50. Gonna, huh? You're going to cause lots of heartache in, in the uh, for the next several years. So how are you doing? Are you I, feeling good? No, I'm blessed. I've got a clean bill of health and Excellent. Uh, really good. have enjoyed being in Arkansas the last uh, you know week, 10 days, visiting uh, in southern Arkansas today. Around so you this must part be laughing right now, right? Because I sent you a text inviting you to stop by Thursday for a piece of cake. No, and I, I'd love to do that. You know me. Yeah, you know, that, that, I do know you. In fact, if you could lure me over there, that would be the way to do it. Well, but, uh, I can't be here Thursday, but I can be here now, and I wanted to come by and and uh, and again just express to you our appreciation and appreciate your friendship. I I appreciate you taking the time out to stop by. Seriously, no, it's great. And you're 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 a great man. You've done great things for this state. Now, convince me you're going to continue doing great things for this state. Well, we're doing our best, and uh, we appreciate your advocacy of all the things the. You know, drawing uh, various things to the attention of your listeners and the great way that you do that. With that said, six more years, right? I mean, you got, you're got you going to go the rest of this, and then you're going to get six more years, well, right? Well, I'm leaning that way right now. Okay. So, you know, I, See, I'm, I'm, I'm putting like some pressure you, on you right now. We're, uh, <laughs> you know, we're blessed to wake up every day, and, and again, like I said, okay. do our best. But we want you around. I want you still in that seat. Well, I, I want the senior senator to be John Bozeman. I'm just saying. Uh, senator Cotton was by earlier today. I, I know he was, and uh, he's like me. He's out and about and uh, doing a great job. And So, yeah, like I say, we very much appreciate you. Can I ask you a serious question? Yeah, no, for sure. Lindsey Graham says he wants to come up with something to give states money for red flag laws. It seems like everybody's like genuflecting because they got to do something because of what happened in El Paso and and Dayton. Do you think red flag – I mean, look, I I had a piece of uh, sound today from Cory Booker saying red flag laws are important, but they're not enough to stop mass shootings. So why pass it? Well, I think that's the danger is they'd like to go much further. And, well, and, he said that and what he no, was talking. Exactly. And so, 
you know, you get into these situations, and I hear it all the time, regardless of the crisis, the idea is that we have to do something. Yeah. We don't have to do something. We've got to do the right thing that really would make a difference. And so the the problem is, and I know you talk about this all the time, you don't want to get yourself in a situation where you start giving up freedom in order to protect yourself. Thank you. So, you know, we, we need to look at whatever's proposed and this and that. But but that's my great concern. I know that's your concern. I know that's the vast majority. We live in Arkansas. And yeah. uh, we're, you know, we're a, a freedom-loving people. And that's why our ancestors settled here and this and that. So uh, that's my, my real concern about all of these things. One thing I do, need, do think we need to do. This uh, uh, shooter in Dayton, you know, you have a situation where this guy is obviously crazy. Yeah. All the warning signs, lots of trouble with the police in his youth. And then all of a sudden you reach a certain age and all of that's expunged. That needs to go forward. Mm. You know, not with everybody, but with a person like that that's obviously dangerous. Uh, That information needs to stay with you. Yeah, I can't see why it can't be seen by law enforcement. Exactly. I mean, so that those, makes sense. those are things that that would that would make sense. Those are things that uh, would actually make a difference. And again, you have to be careful with that. Not with everything, but certainly when a, a person like this is obviously a danger. Uh, the lady that uh, called, you know, and you know, was concerned about her son. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he had ex- exhibited behavior like this. That needs to be investigated. Yeah, maybe we wouldn't have had a Sandy, you know, was it exactly. Sandy Ridge? Is that what that was? Yeah, I'm just because he took her gun. Yeah, and did that. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, yep. but but there are some common sense things that we can do. But I have uh, I have real concern about some of the things that are being proposed. All right. Well, I'll be up in D.C. sometime around the beginning of the year because CPAC will well, be happening. We happen. look forward to that. Let's have lunch Very or much. breakfast. You like much. to have breakfast too. Hey, I'll, I, you know, I don't miss any meals. <laughs> Food, yeah. <laughs> At that, and I talked to Doyle Webb just the other day, and it looks like it, I'll be coming to the convention again. Oh, great! Coming up next year too. Yeah. So, anytime you're in the area, I got a wide open mic for you. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm going to get out of your way. Thank you so much you for all sir. you do. Good to see you. My pleasure. And Thank it's, you. It's good to see you. We good to see you again. Uh, appreciate your all's work. All right, thank you, sir. Well, thank Senator, you, thanks for coming and, by. Uh, like I say, congratulations, and uh, you've had a wonderful career, and uh, we appreciate all of I hope to work. keep it going, too. Uh, let's not talk in like a past, okay? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> I know you, know, you did. You had a wonderful <laughs> career up to now. Yeah, I look yeah. forward to you having a, you know, we'll extended, extended career in Absolutely. The future, so. We'll keep it going. And, Senator, I'll... Hang this up. We'll free we it and hang it up. Appreciate thank you. you very much. Thank you very much. Hey, have a good you. one. Thank you, All sir. right. Senator John Bozeman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Senior Senator. See, now I'm I'm a legend. You're just a senior. <laughs> All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. We'll come back. And then uh, Scott will finish up about the 10 tribes here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. My thanks uh, to, of course, Senator Bozeman for stopping by. These guys are on a break right now for summer, and I I can tell you this, it's difficult to get them into the studio because they're busy, 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 and as much as French Hill and others, the congressmen, you know, Crawford and, and, uh, you know, all of them here in in Arkansas, they're busy too, but I'm going to tell you what, the senators, they represent the whole state, and they are 
everywhere, as many places as they can be when they're in the state, so they're doing their thing. If you've ever wondered how other people get away with paying fewer taxes than you, learn the little-known strategies that could help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis from David Lucas of David Lucas Financial. He's the host, of course, of the David Lucas Show. Hear that right here on Saturdays, 10 a.m., 101.1, The Answer. David's a published author. He's right here in Little Rock, and the free analysis reveals the little-known strategies and loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. To get your free analysis, be one of the first 10 callers right now, 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. This is your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement. All right. In the studio with us and coming, I think Steve has supposed to be here before the end of the show, mm-hmm. but uh, Scott is here, Scott Stewart, he's the pastor at Agape, don't forget, they're at 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock, Sunday service time, 10 o'clock, and their website is aclr.org. The question was, do you have a scholarly opinion on the location of the lost 10 tribes of Israel. Right. I think we got through um, a good portion of that um, uh, in the last, uh, in the last hour or the last uh, segment, but yes, um, without recapping everything else that we had just said, um, the 10 lost tribes are still uh, lost and they are scattered throughout the, uh, the nations of the world. Uh, one of the, one of the things that Messiah will do when he returns is he will regather uh, these ten lost tribes, and right now I don't think that many of the lost tribes even know who they are. Um, as a matter of fact, Dave and I could all both be a part of um, one of those tribes and not even uh, be aware of that. So, at the moment, the seeds of That's Israel kind of cool, isn't it cool? Yeah, the seeds of Israel have been sown into the nations of the world, and um, and so we are still a scattered, um, still a scattered people. But um, many people believe in something called uh, British Israelitism, which we uh, which we don't. Uh, believe in but people think things like uh the people from uh Denmark are from the tribe of dan uh the word british uh is actually there's a hebrew word called brit which means covenant the word ish in hebrew means man so they people say british means covenant man so therefore the british are a part of the tribes that's what we call british israelitism uh we don't really subscribe to that but um it seems as if josephus knows that they were beyond um the um the uh, the realms of Assyria, possibly in the Caucasus area, um, and I will say this lastly as I, we move on to the next question, and that is that James uh, knows about this. James writes in James chapter one, uh, verse one, he says to the twelve tribes that are scattered abroad, mm-hmm. greetings. So James, although only the two ten seconds, yeah, only the ten two two southern tribes were extant. James knows that they're out there, and he writes to those tribes that are scattered. Talk more after the news on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. And, uh, you know, Scott's here. Scott Stewart, pastor of uh, Agape Church. Again, their address is 701 Napa Valley Drive here in Little Rock. Their Sunday service time is at 10 a.m. And their website, this is what you need to know, aclr.org. All your questions will be answered there. If you want to send a Twitter uh, message to the to the doctor, it's at doctor, just dr. Dr. Scott Stewart, and uh, he'll answer you right back. Sure, he answers everything. All right, so we looked at the twelve, uh, the ten tribes yeah. that are missing. If the state of Israel 
is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Why do so many Jewish people not embrace the modern state? Seems to me this gives Christians too much license to do away with Israel and then to use these Jews as an excuse for their position. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the reason why a lot um, of people, a lot of Jewish people don't, don't embrace, and I think that I say a lot, but it's der- certainly not the majority. The majority do uh, embrace. There, but there is a group that doesn't, and it's purely on theological uh, grounds for the most part. There is a secular element. I'll deal with that in a minute. But uh, there is a, a sect within uh, Judaism that basically believes the state of Israel is illegitimate because it was more or less um, reestablished through an act of um, of man, of government, we see it as an act of God, God moving through the affairs of men. But um, there's a group that believes that only the that believes only the Messiah can establish the, the nation of Israel again. So therefore, because Messiah did not physically reestablish the nation of, nation of Israel, it is actually not um, not um, I guess the best word is not uh, legitimate in that way. And so therefore, there, there's an opposition to it. On the other hand. A lot of the Jewish people that are just secular, uh, they identify more with being um, whatever nation they're a part of as opposed to Israel, and they are more or less politically liberal and therefore not for the nation of Israel. I will say this, though. If you are born and raised in Israel, you are all very conservative compared to American Jewish people who are, tend to be more on the uh, on the liberal side of the uh, of the spectrum. Um, but for the most part, it, it deals with the theology and in part just um, a secularization, particularly towards the uh, liberal bent. All right. Elizabeth, who, you know, takes care of my uh, Facebook and mm-hmm. other things, does yep. a great job with that. Yep. And also, I found out, was responsible with Russ getting Senators Cotton and Bozeman here today. Yeah, she called me last week. All right. I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Huh? All right. So uh, she sent me an article the other day, and I thought it was very interesting. It caught her eye. Foxes at the Temple Mount. Prophetic Proof, Jerusalem Has Returned to Its Glory. It was written by Adam Berkowitz over in uh, in Israel, and uh, it's based Song on uh, Song of Songs 215. Catches the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyard is in, in blossom. In a graphic materialization of the prophecy in, uh, uh, was it, Zedekiah, as explained in the Talmud, mm-hmm. foxes are now being seen playing at the Temple Mount. It was reported that visitors to the area have observed a group of about a dozen foxes in the southwestern area of the Western Wall for the last three days in the early hours of the day. This Talmud, which was written 2,000 years ago, is a sign that Jerusalem will be rebuilt. This provide, uh, precise scenario was discussed in the Talmud uh, Rabbi Gamil, is it Gamilia? Gamilia. Yeah. yeah. Rabbi Elzar ben Azira, mm-hmm. Rabbi Joshua, Rabbi Akiva went up to Jerusalem. Yeah. The others started weeping, but Rabbi Akiva laughed. Rabbi Akiva asked the rabbis why they cry, and they explained that to see a wild animal in such a holy place, a place which was forbidden to unfit men, was distressing the rabbi. Other rabbis said and noted that this was precisely the reason he laughed. He explained that the fact that the prophecy of Uriah, related by the prophet Micah, had come to be was proof that the prophecy of Zedekiah would also come to be. Yeah, yeah. There is um, 
uh, it's a kind of an obscure. I never really saw it myself as a um, as a prophecy, and, and there very may, may well be one, but I didn't see it. But there's a description where Jerusalem, if I remember correctly, Jerusalem is kind of in, in laid in waste, and then um, there's a, a a small little portion that talks about foxes beginning to play in the ruins, and then the verse after that talks about kind of Jerusalem being restored or something to that effect. And so the rabbis took that, and they basically said that. Uh, when foxes return to to play in um, in Jerusalem, then the restoration of of the city to its glory is soon to come, and it became a part of um, Talmudic um, legend. And of course, we have the rabbis here talking about Rabbi Kiva is probably the most famous one. And I've seen the video recently. Um, there have been foxes playing on the Temple Mount. I actually saw a video of that. So wow. they interpret that as being uh, a part of uh, the fulfillment of that particular um, prophecy. And uh, I think that um, I mean, that would be that'd be cool if, if that's the case. I, I, I don't know the whole interpretation method that was uh, used there, but I have read the verse. And to me, foxes are definitely there, but I never saw it as a prophecy unless there's a verse there mentioned that I'm not I'm not actually seeing. But, no. but they're certainly there. No, no, no doubt about it. Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, dear uh, Bible guys, I'm a relatively new listener, but have enjoyed the segment a lot. I've been told that by a lot of people. This oh, segment is a very, very popular segment on the show. I'm glad to hear and that. I thought it would be. Yeah. I know. I When I talked to you about it, I said, people, yeah, you know, they're hungry, and they're, they want to hear the truth. You know, I think, Here's the opportunity. I think you're right, Dave. I think people are hungry. They just don't understand sometimes what they're, what they're hungering for, and... Um, I believe when they turn on this, the pro- program, they can find it. So what a change in how we are to relate to the Bible. Wow. Thank you. Now to my question. I see in both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke two very different genealogies of Jesus, or Yeshua. How does that work for a book that is supposed to not contradict itself? Help. Okay. Simple answer to this. Okay. Um, yes, in, in Matthew and in, in Luke, you see... Um, the genealogies of Jesus, and they uh, are different. And the the, the simple answer is one uh, takes his genealogy from um, uh, Mary, and the other takes his genealogy from Jesus's earthly adopted father Joseph. And basically, it's showing that um, if you have even on the adopted side, it's the line of David, and on the uh, maternal side, it's also the line of David. As a matter of fact, modern um, modern uh, uh, rabbinics and, and um, uh, the- theology, Jewish theology says that you're only a Jew if your mother's Jewish. So if your father is um, um, a Jew, but your mother is a Gentile, they won't even count you as a Jew. So your mother has to be Jewish in order to be a Jew. So, but but the but the but the uh, in the ancient times it wasn't so. But nonetheless, we have both genealogies showing, and also in in other scriptures in the Old Testament, we also see. Uh, some um, some examples of people establishing a Jewish identity through the genealogy of the mom. So it just covers both bases. What are the chances that Mary genealogy goes to David and literally the adopted father yeah. goes, goes back to David? Yeah, that's got to be highly improbable. And you and the um, there's one ti- there's a couple of titles for Messiah. Uh, oh, hi, Steve. Hey, what's up? Actually, yeah, he snuck in. He did stick in. Uh, the uh, one of the titles of Messiah is called Mashiach, Mashiach ben Yosef, which means Messiah, son of Joseph. And um, I think it's quite—it's referring basically to the story of uh, Joseph in in Egypt. But it's—it's it's quite. Uh, 
it's a beautiful piece of poetry that God allows his adoptive earthly father to be named Joseph uh, as well. Okay. I'm going Do you to, understand what that question was? Yeah. I didn't hear the question from walking up. But. Yeah, they were. They, he asked, uh, or our first question about 10 tribes, right. Scott talked about that and talked about, uh, did, did I ask you about uh, the people? Of the, why? Oh, yes, we did, about why folks over here that are Jews, why they're not just jumping up and down doing yeah. backflips about wanting to go back to Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've answered that. That was a question that was asked by a listener about the genealogies in Matthew and Luke and why they were different. And, of course, one mm-hmm. is Mary's side and one is right. is uh, Joseph's side. Do you have anything else to add to that? Uh, not so much to that. I actually asked a guy that I work with who's Jewish if he was um, if he ever thought about moving um, to Israel because he actually lived there as a kid. Um, and he's like, "What are you trying to kick me out of my country?" I was like, "No, I'm trying to get you to go back to your country." Yeah. <laughs> and and there's just a I think Pastor Scott accurate answered it pretty accurately that most of the ones here are more connected to America than they are to Israel. Yeah. Now you did did you hear? I don't know if you heard or not, but you missed. Uh, we had the Senator Bozeman. I did. Come. Yeah, Senator yeah, Bozeman walked in. He came was very, say very hello. Cool. And I, I was listening when I was sitting in that long line of red lights out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the traffic is terrible out there. All right, second question this listener had. Uh, it's about the book of Revelation. Can we get doctrine from this book? I know it is the word of God, but I have been told that the Gospels were written for us. The epistles were written to us, but nothing was said about Revelation. Also, because the epistles were written to us, that is where we are to take our doctrine from. Am I making sense? Thanks again for the show, and I'll be listening. Okay. Um I think what they're saying is there's there's a phrase that you do hear quite a bit, and that is the Gospels were written for us, the Epistles were written to us. And I think he does mention that. Yes. But but um, the whole Bible is written for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, that not, the Bible was not written specifically to you. I mean, there's a book called To the Book of T- to, to Timothy. And your name is Dave, and yours is Stephen, mine is Scott. So that book was not written to me. It was written for me, for my benefit, but it wasn't written um, to me. Um, there's a book called the book of to uh, Philemon, or even Luke says he's writing for uh, Theo- um, the- Theophilus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these weren't written to us directly, but they're written for us and for our benefit. As far as doctrine, um, you take we, the Word of God is our doctrine, so we believe we can get word, doctrine out of any part of the uh of the scripture, but understand this, that one book can't contradict another book. And that's a part of the problem. People believe you get your gospel, you get your doctrine out of the gospels. And then when Paul wrote the epistles and he trumped the God, the doctrine that was in the gospels and then so on and so forth. And, and that just doesn't work. Everything has to work uh, together in one, but if it's the word of God, we can get some sort of doctrine out of it from Genesis to revelation. Yeah. That not the gospels is just your doctrine and not the uh, Paul's a little, letters just doctrine uh you could get some doctrine but um the bible wasn't written to give us doctrine doctrine really becomes more of a mindset in our culture and in our mindset there are certain things that we believe but you probably heard pastor scott talk about this in the past and the rabbis always want to know how do you do a verse not what you believe about things and so doctrine is not something that I mean, yes, every group and every belief, everybody has some sort of belief that they that they hold to, and it, and you can call that doctrine, but it's not why the letters were written to us. It was really how to live out and then see the fulfillment of everything that has ever been prophesied. All right. Yeah. Hey, Russ, do we need to get a break? 
Okay, let's get our final break. When we come back, I think one of the best questions that's been asked in several weeks. I've already told Scott what it is, and he really liked the question. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so every week on Tuesday in the final hour, the Bible guys are here. And we have a great question that I like because these are very learned guy, learned guys, uh, and they I can tell you they they try and they allow the Holy Spirit to let them walk close uh, to their Messiah. Mm-hmm. All right, and here's the question for you: Would you please share with the listening audience how you guys keep spiritually fit? Now I really like that term. He says, I mean, do you have a morning devotional time or a set prayer time each day? And if so, how long do you pray, etc.? I'm trying to live a better life. Cool. Um, well, um, you, know, you haven't spoken much. I usually don't talk much. It's no. just my personality. I'm yeah, very quiet and reserved. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't have a set time. I've never really had a set schedule in my entire life ever since I've been, I joined the military. I never knew what, you know, 7 to 3 was or 11 to 7 was. I've always uh, just had an early morning, late time, nothing set. So when I got saved, I really didn't have the ability to set times. And so uh, mine developed over availability. Uh, and so like nowadays, I mean, um, even today, when I what I do for a living requires my schedule to be flexed. That's why it's a little late today. Um, and if I have to get up real early, then my time is in prayer on the way to work driving. If I have time, um, then I go and spend that time um, with the Lord in prayer. Uh, but I don't do a, a steady or regular devotional simply because I'm always reading or always listening to something about the scriptures. I mean, if I have time, um, um I'll throw in earbuds and I'll listen to some some preacher or some teacher or some sermon um, or um, or if I'm reading something. So it's, it is constant for me. It's just really not much um, as far as a structure just because I listen to so many different things. And when I was pastoring full-time, I don't get it as much as I do now. I'm sure you get it on a regular basis is, hey, have you heard this? And, and to kind of make sure that, find out where your people is at, you have to listen or read it. Uh, so you're always into something. Um, but as far as, I guess the most dedicated time I spent was when I was working on my degree. If there, if there was one thing that would have been a structural devotional, but for me, it, it we we talk about it as more of a relational thing, and so it's constant for me. It's not really a set time; it's always constant. Yeah, I, I wake up thinking about the Lord. I go to bed thinking about the Lord. I drive down the road thinking about the Lord. I drive down the road talking to the Lord. It's what book can I read? What sermon do I, series do I need to listen to? It's just constant. Yeah, yeah. I I would say um, that's pretty much me as well. I I do have I do start off each day. Um, reading i do have a, a time carved out where i will do that in the morning um, but then beyond that i i feel that um it's like a relationship with anybody else uh if you, you know if i'm in a relationship with my with my wife and we're in a car together we're going to be talking if we're taking a walk we'll be talking and i i do that on a regular basis with the lord i mean at, at any place i will stop and and talk to him um, and and i also just make myself available if i feel a prompting if it's in his heart mm-hmm. um in my heart i'll just go off to a room and just spend time in prayer. Sometimes my wife will say, where are you going? I said, I'm just going to pray for a few minutes. I just go and make, I feel him tugging my heart and I'll just go and spend time 
in prayer. Because sometimes, you know, you have to remember that prayer is not just about you giving God a laundry list of mm-hmm. stuff that you want, but sometimes it's just hearing what he wants from you or just the fact that he wants to talk with you. I mean, think about it. What did, what did God and Adam talk about? Yeah, when they walked together. Yeah, I mean, think about I mean, that. Adam, Adam had no need. He wasn't sick. Mm-hmm. He was mentally superior to anyone on this planet. He, he, he had no it needs. Everything was perfect. So what did they yeah. talk about? They had to have had a relationship beyond the natural needs. And if all your relationship with God is is God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this. Then, then your relationship is only going to be so so deep. It needs to be beyond that to it's where you're about actually, as deep as a puddle. Aren't yeah, you? right. I mean, seriously, if it's yeah. all about you, yeah. then you're missing a lot of teaching from the Bible. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I, that's what I try to do. I just try to cultivate a a uh, relationship of um, of awareness, of being aware of his uh, of his presence. I was telling you guys at the break. There's a there's a really good book I recommended. It's written by a guy named drawn a blank on his name now but it was called practicing the presence of god it's a english translation of a french work from about the 1600s about a monk who just said you know what i almost resent the daily demanded time of prayer which a lot of monks did he just said i practice the presence of god i when don't i pray when am mm-hmm. i not praying as you said dave to pray without ceasing yeah what does that mean and how do you actually do something like that um i think sometimes when you make god say okay i'm going to give one hour then what happens is you're praying and you look at your watch. Okay, I got seven more minutes. Then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it becomes this, this almost like a a goal or a drudgery as opposed to just a cultivating relationship. So some people need that to start off with. Yeah, they need. And some people they do like a new believer or somebody they do need structure. They do need a structured, studied program uh, or or dedicated prayer things that kind of stuff. And then eventually, then when they develop that connection with the Lord, they'll ebb and flow in it. Mm-hmm. Here's my key. I I just like to sit. In the presence of God, yeah. we have access to His throne. Absolutely, and yeah. it's just really amazing yeah. to be able to just sit there and be quiet yep. and know mm-hmm. that you're sitting in the presence mm-hmm. of the Almighty. That's right. Yeah. I don't remember who did the interview, but I remember it was with um, Mother Teresa, and I asked her about her prayer life, and she said, "Well, they said, well, what do you pray?" And she said, "Well, I listen." And she said, well, what about God? And she goes, he listens. And so she was just, just back and forth of, we yeah. just spend this time. I listen and he listens. I listen and he listens. And there really wasn't much communication was what she was saying. Sometimes prayer is just being quiet and listening yeah. and hearing what he has to say. I got to tell you guys, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me, this happened when I was in the Air Force, so it was a while back, all right? But it was something that made a dramatic impact on me. Uh, my next door neighbor in the barracks was also a believer, and we went to a, a very small little church on on Guam uh, that we uh, enjoyed. And one night we started talking, what would it be like to really be in the presence mm. of God? Mm-hmm. So we started praying about it. Yeah. To let us see his Shekinah glory. Mm-hmm. And he did. Well, now I'm just going to tell you. I think he just took the curtain and it just went just a little <laughs> bit up, just a tight, I mean, just a sliver. And the overwhelming presence mm-hmm. that I got, well, I could not lift my face right, yeah. from the floor. I swear to you, mm-hmm. I could not look up. Yeah. And then it went away. 
but it's real, Dave. Isn't I got my guy. Yeah. I, he he let me know. Yeah. All right. So that's why. Yeah. Sometimes when we talk and mm-hmm. people think that when Jesus comes back, they're going to run up and throw their arms around him. Oh. I'm just telling you, it ain't going to be that way. He's going to fall we're to your ta- face. Yeah, we're talking about God, <laughs> folks. The absolute well, I'm holiness goosebumps. of God. Yeah. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, it made that kind of an impact on me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's wild yeah. to see that. Is my face going yet? No, almost. <laughs> I, I think it's the lights. Yeah, it might have been. I'm just saying, man, that just, I can't wait to when I get the full oh. impact oh, of wow. that and what, it, what it's going to be. Praise like. God. Hey, we're, we're out of time. Yep. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Steve. We'll, we'll have a bunch of uh, questions again next week. Don't forget the Bible Guys. Bible Guys at SalemLR.com. That's where you send your questions to. Uh, Steve Hess is here. Of course, Scott Stewart, don't forget, pastor at Agape Church, 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. Sunday worship is at 10. Their website, aclr.org. Tomorrow, got a lot of stuff planned for you. See it, too. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.